With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We've got a PW Torch VIP sale going on this month. If you are interested in becoming a VIP member, you can get $6 off any subscription. That brings a one-month sub down to 4 bucks, And you can listen to our AEW Revolution post-event roundtable. Todd Martin, Rich Fan, and I discuss the event for about an hour right after the show ended exclusively for VIP members. You also will get the WrestleMania post-show roundtables following night one and night two at the beginning of next month as part of that deal. And you get everything in between. I have brought back the Ask the Editor version of the Wade Keller hotline. The last two Wednesdays, we've dropped that with me responding with long-form answers to a wide array of topics. And the Focus on AEW and Focus on WWE Insider News Updates with my expanded analysis have also been brought back more frequently lately, including breakdowns of minute-by-minute numbers for Dynamite and SmackDown in two recent updates, and also behind-the-scenes news on Bray Wyatt and how he's being written and by whom, and other exclusive backstage notes and insights. We also are running our 18 Years Ago podcast series on the nearly 18th anniversary of podcasts when they were originally published back in 2005. We feature them on the PW Torch VIP podcast feed. This includes our post-pay-per-view roundtables and also Wade Keller hotlines with a ton of insider news. And right now, this week, we are running a series of podcasts detailing with incredible behind-the-scenes details, sometimes excruciating details, on what was going on with Edge, Lita, and Matt Hardy in that uh, kind of love triangle controversy of 2005 that uh, changed the course of, of several careers. At the time, I reported a ton of details on how the locker room was reacting to them, uh, how Vince McMahon, if he was involved, because Vince was actually away with his injury at that time, uh, if he was involved, and just uh, the, the ups and downs and the drama of everything that, that blew up behind the scenes there. It's also the beginning, 18 years ago, of John Cena and Batista's push, and there's a lot of fun analysis of what we thought of them at the beginning of their upward trajectory. I could go on. There's just so many great VIP exclusive features. You get these shows ad-free and plug-free, and you get access to our ad-free Lightning Fast VIP website with all the content that's on the free site, plus bonus content, including the roundtable reviews in written format from the Torch staff of AEW Revolution. We'll be doing that for WrestleMania coming up also, plus exclusive columns and more. So go VIP, pwtorch.com slash go VIP. The coupon code to get $6 off, and you can apply that $6 coupon to a one-month, a three-month, or a one-year sub, but again, that brings a one-month sub down to $4 for everything I just mentioned and more. The coupon code is MARCH23, MARCH23. Enter that when you sign up at pwtorch.com slash govip. And yes, we are compatible with the Apple Podcasts app. When you sign up, you'll get an email, and you click on that link, and it authorizes you. No advanced settings, no passwords, nothing complicated. 
and we are compatible with many other podcast apps in a similar way. PWTorch.com slash GoVIP, March 23. Good time to go VIP. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the PW Torch Daily Cast for Saturday, March 11th, 2023. Today it's another double header. First up, Nick and Tom's Intercontinental Adventure. We're Tom Colohue and Nick Barbati. Run down the WrestleMania card so far with three weeks to go and lay out why the mid card is so much more hyped than the main event scene at this point. And then in the second part of the double header, it's Making the List, episode number eight from March 13th, 2018, from five years ago with Pat McNeil, who is joined by Jim Valley and Just Incredible. And they ranked the seven best pro wrestling movies of all time. Plus some sidebar discussions on the Just Incredible documentary, Jim Valley's work for Cauliflower Alley, which movies meet the category and which do not, the ubiquitous hard-boiled Hagerty, and the accuracy of the pro wrestling episode on Little House on the Prairie. That is our doubleheader for today. Let's get to it. First up, Nick and Tom, and then our best of edition with Pat McNeil and company with the top seven movies. Here we go. Can we talk about Scream? I saw Scream last night, Tom. No. So, welcome to Nick and Tom's Intercontinental Adventure. Well, I'm alive, and that is a scarier thing than being dead, let's be fair. You are joining myself, Tom Colicue, and my colleague, Nick Barbati, on the PW Torch Daily Cast. We are talking WWE, we are talking wrestling, we occasionally go into AEW, but that's not really been at the forefront at the moment, because we have WrestleMania coming up. We have Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns. We have the Sami Zayn ex-Bonanza. All of this is going to a head at WrestleMania, and the weeks that we have leading up to it is only three at this point. So we need to be starting to hit top gear, and the WWE seem to have been doing that this week. 
I want to start with Cody Rhodes, Nick, because Cody Rhodes has been getting a lot more physical. We went really deep into the Cody Rhodes storyline last week, spent about half an hour on it, and there were things missing. For you, did he do better this week? Can I talk about Gail Weathers from Scream? Cody Rhodes. Did he do better? Um, I felt bad for the shirt that got ripped off of him yesterday that he couldn't remove from his wrist, so they had to cut the camera a couple times to give him a chance to kick it off of him. Okay, so cutting edge analysis there. So it's, it is cutting edge because I, I've talked to you before about, you know, my ability to relate to him and my ability to feel that he is a real threat and a real, real star. And I must say the Cody Rhodes character does not speak to me. And it is indicative in that moment where he's in the three-piece suit. As a baby face, that doesn't do a whole lot for me. I yeah. must say that's just – that's me. That's my stylings of my of the – my my plan my desire for a simpler baby face. I don't think Cody is a simple baby face, and I think that that's both a good thing and a bad thing, depending on where you are on the pendulum of how you like your acts. I have said that I think the Cody Rhodes character is overproduced by half and underdeveloped by half in terms of the actual character himself. I think everything should be working. The production should like, is is over the top. They've put a lot of emphasis on, you know, all forms of the video packages for him. And, you know, I was having a conversation with someone yesterday where I said, you know, it's almost like I can close my eyes and assume that the video package that they make for WrestleMania is going to be fabulous. It's going to be of the similar ilk to the WrestleMania 17 one, or even the, the WrestleMania 12 one, which you like so much is that, that feud yeah. of the um, juxtaposition of Brett versus Sean, in this case being about Cody versus Roman. And I think the pieces should be there. The problem for me is that we are now seemingly shoehorning Cody into this bloodline storyline to say, hey, we know Cody's not really over, but we're going to keep attaching him to the people that you do really, really do like so that you have no other choice but to but to cheer him. And then what we're going to do, Tom, is we're going to stand at the end of SmackDown and have this, his buff Cody with his shirt off raising Sammy's hand in a patronizing, condescending kind of way. And y'all are going to love it because that is your guy. And here's the thing. I'm going to tell you this right now. And you can insult me all you want about my cutting edge um, commentary. He's not my guy. He doesn't feel like my guy. I still don't feel like he's fighting for anyone but Cody. I don't feel like he's fighting for the people. I don't feel like he's trying to end Roman's reign. I feel like he's trying to achieve Cody's goal. That's not rootable for me. And him just not being Roman isn't good enough to cheer when Roman is so great. And him not being Sammy just because he's better looking and in better shape and more serious than Sammy isn't good enough for Cody to be the world champion. That's what I think. You want to insult my commentary anymore? Oh, I absolutely will, but I'll wait for the right moment. Cody, for me, I entirely get what you say. There's very little relatable there. There's very little personality that we have established. And I still don't get why he would hate Roman. Why is there an actual feud here? when he's been to one side of it the entire time. This week, they essentially involved him a lot more. He feels less like an intruder because he's been involved alongside Sami Zayn. And they've been teasing that. They've been talking about that previously. But he still feels like an intruder on the Bloodline storyline. It is feeling very much like... Um, so I think to uh, the Royal Rumble 2015, when The Rock came out at the end of the match and lifted Roman Reigns' arm and then looked around like, oh, oh they really don't like this guy oh, I probably shouldn't be here, but still had to raise his arm again to finish off 
You could see the, the look in his face, not the happiest thing. That's a good comparison, Tom. You're right about that. I have one more to make. When Ronda Rousey returned at the Royal Rumble, there were some serious rumors of Sasha Banks versus Charlotte Flair being the plan for that year's WrestleMania. Right after we was we were supposed to see a tag team between Ronda Rousey and Sasha Banks against, I believe it was Charlotte Flair and Sonya Deville going into Saudi Arabia pay-per-view. Now, I didn't watch that because I don't watch the Saudi Arabia pay-per-views, but it was not Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks was unavailable at that time, or at least the booking was changed. So once again, it seems to be a thing in the WWE, and I don't mean under Triple H, I mean in the WWE in general. You basically take someone that the fans want, and then when you have someone that you're going to give them regardless, you just pair them up and make them transfer heat over to each other. Sami Zayn right now has one simple job. Make Cody Rhodes look good. That is not going to work when it comes to Roman Reigns because Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns have this natural chemistry. They always have. And it's been great to watch. And it's caused this much power and this much heat behind this feud. Cody Rhodes doesn't have that. I like that he's getting more physical. I like that he's ripping the suit off, though how he could do that to a nice suit like that, I'm ashamed of you. This, as a tag team, doesn't work. It distracts from the fact that the whole point is supposed to be Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. And if we're heading into the final SmackDown before Mania, and we have a six-man tag, Roman and the Usos, versus Cody, Sami Zayn, and Kevin Owens, and then two nights later, we see all of that all over again, for me, it doesn't work. It distracts from the fact that we need more from Cody about Roman. But at the same time, Roman wasn't there. So what else can they actually do if Roman's not going to be there? Well, not much. And that's a very fair question. Now, here's the thing, Tom, to wrap that the the initial part up with a bow for me is that this is resulting in Sammy coming down to meet Cody rather than Cody being elevated to meet Sammy. That's really, you can hear it in the pops, you can hear it in the reaction. Two hours is not enough to tire out a crowd. And that crowd was not reacting by the end the way that they should. Convince yourself that all that you might, it is true. Um, With Cody, um, Roman not being present is harming it. You know, and in many ways, you know, you can take your WrestleMania promo uh, promotions for the, the lead program two ways. One, it can burn hot the first few weeks and then kind of rely on just telling the story leading in and coasting into WrestleMania. Or you can come at you come at it with a perfect boil right before WrestleMania and have it be hot heading into the main show. We've seen them do both approaches. This one's boiling too late. It is too late. There, It seems like we've reached that awkward point where you're like, wait, is there something coming? And honestly, Flair versus Ripley's there too. But we, we can talk about that later. But it, it, they're, they're kind of like the pacing here is off and it is odd. It's okay. We know, we know WrestleMania is worth being excited for because WrestleMania in the past has shown us is worth being excited for, except for when it hasn't. And that has happened more often than not lately. But we allow our memories of our childhood to dispel that. But okay. So, um, you know, we're heading into WrestleMania again for everybody out there who tells me I'm wrong. And I've been told multiple times people actually stop me anymore to tell me how wrong I am about Cody. And that is fine. I'm glad that people are connecting to him. But I, I think I think what they're connecting to is that he does feel fresh in comparison to a lot of the other stuff. This isn't Drew McIntyre coming back out here who we've dusting off from, you know, you know, years of, of service. It's not, uh, you know, who are some of the other baby faces, Tom? I mean, we're really kind of 
you know, struggling for him. But um, even like a John Cena who has a nostalgia feel to him, like we've been there, we've done that. Brock Lesnar, for sure, we've been there and done that with Roman. So, yes, there is someone new. There is someone interesting. I think that promo with Paul Heyman a few weeks ago was enough. And I think the promo with Roman, as much as we didn't love how it ended, was, again, a little bit, you know, had some history to it that was enough for people to, to latch on to. Is it the great program to end Roman's reign? No, it is not. Is it going to be the end of Roman's reign? It's looking like it. It is looking like it. But, you know, at this point, there's a thing that the pacing additionally feels off on what something else that you brought up, which is at the Kevin Owens comeback uh, to, to assist. This is going on to and I thought that watching this week's Smackdown was Cody. If Cody was going to come down, it should have been with Kevin Owens. Because that's actually the story. You know, you want, at this point, Sammy and Kevin to be together to take down the Usos. In theory, you, do, you want that. But at some point, if you're not there for somebody, are you still, are you the baby face? Like, how many times is someone going to be attacked? And I know that that's part of the larger story here. But you need to give people something to root for. And there's not a whole lot to root for here. And after a while... I think people are going to stop rooting for Sammy in the full full breath that they are. And I think that that's coming sooner than you think. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Daily Cast listeners, thank you first of all for streaming the shows. Be sure you're subscribing. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to pro wrestling podcasts. But while you're at it. If you're not yet, please subscribe to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. Search Wade Keller and see two logos pop up, a blue one and a red one. The red logo, the post shows, cover Raw and SmackDown each week with a fast turnaround time of a couple hours after the show's end. And also, every Saturday, we present a flashback to our analysis from five years ago that week covering Raw. Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net joins me, and we analyze what happened on Raw five years ago. So check out that time capsule every weekend. The Blue Logo Show features the Thursday flagship, plus our first-run interviews, our classic interviews, and our mailbag segments. So, again, search Wade Keller and click subscribe to both the Red Logo and the Blue Logo.
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Unfortunately, I think uh, this week's SmackDown, the the love for Sammy wasn't there to the same degree that it has been in oh. the past few weeks. I think you called it absolutely right last week when you said that uh, everyone waits for the moment in Cody's theme where it's, whoa, and that's where the pop is. The pop sure. isn't anywhere else. The pop is just there. Now, there's still a lot of heat in the storyline, but I think when it comes to the idea that Cody is the guy, I think there's an element of wishful thinking. People want him to be the guy, so they decide that he is the guy. For me personally, I agree with you. He's not the guy. We saw this with Edge. We, we saw all of this with Edge, and it took months for people to stop and think, oh, maybe he wasn't the guy. Yeah, he was not the guy. The story was about someone else the entire time. When you build a story for months, you can't then say, oh, by the way, this is the guy, though. This guy over here. You like this guy, don't you? Forget about that guy. You like this guy. The WWE are telling you who to like. Admittedly, that is their job. That is literally why you have baby faces and, uh, and heels. But at the same time, they're not usually this blatant about it. They usually give you a reason to like someone. And I have had no reason whatsoever to like this incarnation of, Card- of Cody Rhodes just yet. It does feel like in the build to WrestleMania, the big matches are the ones that aren't getting the love. You mentioned Charlotte Flair, Rhea Ripley there, and I think now's a good time to come on to that. I would also put Bianca Belair and Asuka in that camp, to be honest. Very little actual build towards it. We're getting more build for matches lower down the card. The tag team championship match has certainly got the most build so far. Dominic and Rey Mysterio is getting some good build right now. US, Intercontinental, these are getting some good builds. There's a non-title six-woman tag that's getting a really high amount of build right now. Meanwhile, the actual tag championship match for the women, if it's happening, is getting nothing at all. So let's go to Charlotte and Rhea Ripley. Let's go through the matches a little bit. Let's start there. Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley are facing off at WrestleMania. It's hard to know that, given that Rhea Ripley's entire focus seems to be on Rey Mysterio most of the time. She's actively partaking of two separate storylines, and it was actually kind of nice to see her without Dominic for once. That said, when she interrupted, didn't distract Charlotte enough to have her lose the match to Shotzi, but distracted regardless. 
I felt Rhea Ripley's promo was too slow by half. The crowd were chanting, what? And Charlotte Flair absolutely stepped all over, and much like Roman did with Cody last week. What did you make of the Charlotte Flair-Rhea Ripley segment? Well, uh, not exactly what you made out of it, but I didn't make it to be good. Um, Rhea Ripley's on screen too much. And, you know, I think one of the things that really uh, was special about her was she's novel. She is different from every other woman on the screen. She's different than every other wrestler, period, on the screen. And there's a cockiness and a confidence. But when you see someone too much, you become too familiar with them. And WrestleMania season is not a time for someone to get bored of, for, with the audience. And I do think, you know, how can you expect Rhea Ripley to be hot in a segment with Charlotte when she was just on screen for like a half hour yeah. prior, earlier in the night? So it, it doesn't fit. The other thing is, like as we might, must, the, as we might the Judgment Day, which we do very much like them, they are a mid-card act. Yeah. And when she's with them, she's part of a mid-card act. So then when she's expected to be a main event act, it does feel reductive of what they are doing with her. And that's what I took from that last night. I think Charlotte was winded by her match and almost rightfully so and expected to to perform in that way. There was that awkward moment where you weren't sure if she was catching her breath or forgot her lines or both. Um, and that's OK. That happens. But it didn't – Rhea didn't seem – to be confident enough to control the segment, I guess is what I would say. Like she was relying on Charlotte to control that. And in many ways, the story of that segment to me was, is Charlotte going to be booed? Is Charlotte going to be wooded? Is she going to be? And she wasn't anything. She was mildly cheered and it was fine, but they didn't give the audience anything interesting to cheer or boo. They didn't have give the audience anything the the visual of it wasn't even interesting so you know what are we doing here not a whole lot and i think at this point we are due for a judgment day vicious beatdown of charlotte flair we are due for her to be bloodied and and you know made all kinds of you know mess in the ring and to have a, a visceral grudge match heading into wrestlemania three weeks is not much time and if we're going to get this match to a main event level which whether it's the last match or not on, on night one as the women's championship match, it certainly seems more important than Belair versus Asuka. It should have more heat going into it. And you're to your right, your point, Tom. You know, again, this is where I think there is some, um, you know, maybe the there there needs to be a merger, I guess, in terms of perspective between Vince and Triple H in terms of their approaches with booking. Because with Vince, it often felt like it was all at the top, couldn't care less about the bottom. Then on this case, now we're looking at the lower card being really emphasized with much more interesting programs. Like what you just laid out there, totally true, Tom, about you know where my interest is and where I think focus is being pulled. And there's just an assumption that the top matches in the card will just, just be enough. I agree that Ripley's on screen too much. It was the same last week as well, where she was essentially a half-hour segment. Um, the match with Liv Morgan as well, and then was still involved with Dominic later. They do need to split them up a little bit, but we also didn't see much of Charlotte. I would agree that the cheers weren't really there for Charlotte, but it's also true that fans haven't turned on her. I think there's only so many times you can be interested in a Charlotte Flair championship run, though. Because let's be fair, if Charlotte Flair's on screen, chances are she's holding a championship. If you look at her career, chances are she's been holding a championship for the vast majority of it. So what's new here? I get that they're trying to, in Rhea Ripley's eyes, right or wrong, they're trying to go back to a match that's already happened at WrestleMania, but Rhea wants to win this time. And I do think she'll get it, but that's not new enough. 
We don't have a new stipulation. We don't have any particular history to build on other than that one match. Charlotte Flair's holding a championship. Nothing new there. The only new element really is that we now see a new version of Rhea Ripley. So it was nice to see Dominic get involved. That felt fresh. That felt different. That at least felt interesting, though it was still very much the Reginald role. And the fact that they've pivoted away from it since, also quite good. But I agree. When you talk about a beaten, bloody Charlotte Flair, she's never been made to look vulnerable. If you think back to when Samoa Joe was going to be taken on Brock Lesnar, and Samoa Joe stepped out from behind the curtain, choked Brock out, and Brock sold hard for him. You had that moment right then of thinking, oh, this is something completely new. Brock does not look this vulnerable. I think we need that from Charlotte Flair. And I think that could really cement Rhea Ripley. The match against, uh, well, sorry, Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley versus Edge and Beth Phoenix, Elimination Chamber, I think that did serious harm to Rhea Ripley. Basically cemented her in the mid-card role where she's about to be going up against Charlotte Flair. I think that match finish was the wrong call, personally. And I think it essentially kept Judgment Day where they are. But we're seeing that so much. Big factions with a lot of fanfare. Damage control. Damage control have just been completely battered pillar to post at times. Lost the tag championships again. Bailey just bounced off Bianca Belair however many times. You're seeing that with factions now where they're being kept mid-card. And it's not really helping. If you want Rhea Ripley to be top of the act, you've got to actually give her something to work with there. Yeah, you're right about that. And you got to treat them special. Like we've talked about the thing with Judgment Day is they are structured in a way to absorb losses and not have it be as nearly as damaging, say, as a singles act losing as frequently. Um, and damage control kind of serves that role with the women's division. But there's a but there. When you expect the lead to step out in a way that they then need to have you know, the gravitas is attached to them. Don't be surprised when it's not quite the level that, that you want it to be. I'm disappointed within the, the, the Charlotte and Rhea um, storyline. I think it could be improved. I mean, you have Charlotte be jumped backstage, Rhea steal her robe and then cut it up all the way to the ring, getting Charlotte out there. And they have a bloody brawl in, in the ring, pull apart. That's all you need. Get there. Get there. Yeah. Usually when they're keeping people from being physically involved, it means we're going to get a feud for several months. I don't really want that, but there'll definitely be some feuds out of WrestleMania that last until Money in the Bank or at least until SummerSlam area. Again, I don't really want it, but there will definitely be some of them, and we have to consider that. So what else is on the card? We've touched briefly on Bianca Belair versus Asuka, and I've got to be honest, there's not much I can really say about that. There's not much of a build to speak of so far. Asuka won at Elimination Chamber. It's a big opportunity for her to show what her new character is all about. And so far, she just sort of hasn't. She's been in wrestling matches where she wrestled like the same Asuka we saw. And that's kind of all we have to talk about on that one. So we'll just move on from that. The Intercontinental Championship picture. We opened SmackDown with a Fatal Five-Way. We saw a lot of multi-person matches. We had Fatal Five-Way, then a six-man tag, then a tag team match, and then finally one singles match on SmackDown. It was a very confusing time. But we had Karrion Cross, Xavier Woods, Sheamus, Drew McIntyre, and LA Knight facing off to determine who would be challenging Gunter at WrestleMania. I don't think anyone was particularly disappointed with this finish. Do you agree with that? 
no, but let me tell you, it's funny you just, Tom, you're reading this out, and I guess just got a message on my computer that Sean, you know, Sean or Nikki, Sean? Yeah. Just wrote, I'm so curious to hear what you guys thought of SmackDown, literally as you started this 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 thing. Um, what was your question again? Really? <laughs> no, we're t- talking about the Intercontinental uh, Championship match. Um, again, something, the pacing that feels off for me. You know, I don't like, I thought if we ended with that triple threat announcement right there, it fits a couple different things in the immediacy, which is there is interest, I think, in having Drew and Sheamus both involved. I don't know that it outweighs interest of the individual, like one-on-one match potentials with Gunther to be able to have. Because I think in our heads, you know, Gunther's going to have a great match at WrestleMania, and he can do it with Sheamus or he can do it with Drew. You put them all together, I don't think as a collective, here's what I would say, it would be a great, exciting match. Do I think triple threat matches can get to that epic level of a singles match, it's very rare. I think the only match for me that has ever done it was the WrestleMania 20 main event. Beyond that, I've never seen it. I do think that was a match that was elevated by having the added movement of Shawn Michaels. In this case, I think you're going to get a really great triple threat match at a WrestleMania where you say, wait, wait, who was the third guy? Or, or like, remind me of what that composition was. That's my prediction. Do I hope they change that? Sure. But, you know, triple threat matches in general at that at the Intercontinental Championship match, you know, when there was a great triple threat match, I think at 34, what was 34. it? It was like, yeah. it was Rollins. Now, literally, don't don't tell me this. I'm, I'm not. I'm but not. It, was, it was Rollins, Balor, and I don't know who the third person was. Miz, that person maybe? was the champion. It was the Miz. Okay, but see, even that pause that I have to say is I knew there was a great match. I knew it was for the Intercontinental Champion. It doesn't land as firmly in my brain. That's what I think. So this was a long way of saying it, but I truly think that that captures what I think about this whole thing. I also think they should have just gone with the announcement. The audience was there. They were chanting triple threat, triple threat, triple threat, which is a very rare thing for people to chant. And yet now we got to go another week. Another week to figure this out. I didn't like that switch at the end. It fits Gunther's character to be annoyed that he doesn't get a traditional match. But let him be annoyed. Let that be the next two weeks. We don't need all this movement and everything happening every single show. There's almost the point, Tom, when you're laying out all these matches for WrestleMania. I never thought I'd say this, but it's almost like too much storyline is happening. You know what I mean? I get what you're saying. Too many roadblocks, too many dips, too many. Too many. You got it. You got it. So this is one of the rare occasions when I actually disagree with you completely on this one. Well, you can. You're allowed. But let's yeah. move on to the next topic. No. So the there were rumors of Brock Lesnar versus Gunter. I didn't want to see that because that felt like a Brock Lesnar trouncing incoming. He was just going to beat Gunter. But the predictability is both working for and against them here. They don't need to build it too quickly because I think at this point, Everyone knows where they're going. They're not hiding it. They're not trying to hide it. We know where they're going. The chance for triple threat were because we kind of know a triple threat is coming. Also, it's kind of the only way to create the idea that Gunter might actually lose the championship. Because you put him in a singles match against Sheamus. We've seen it. We know what's going to happen. It's going to be great, but Gunter will retain. Even though Drew McIntyre is so massively protected, Gunter's the guy right now. You saw at the end of the Royal Rumble, as an example, stepping up to Cody, Drew McIntyre, I don't think, would beat Gunter in a one-on-one. So you at least have to have that extra element to really cause some confusion. Now, when it comes to the all the added steps, 
I do think they are just going through the motions in many ways, but we get good matches out of them. And you do need good matches to fill up a SmackDown because otherwise you do end up more promo focused. And I don't feel I've got the right people for that at this point in time. So I'm excited for the triple threat. I also would like to throw in one more suggestion. Uh, Rollins, Cena, Lesnar from 2014's Royal Rumble. Yeah, that's great. There are definitely some fantastic triple threats. I also think, to be honest, Roman versus Edge versus Daniel Bryan was a very good triple threat. But I also take your meaning. They are the exceptions. They are not the rule. A one-on-one match between, for example, Drew McIntyre and Gunter has top-level potential. Once you factor in the triple threat, they're going to need to do something very special on that. I agree with you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Give yourself a reason to look forward to going to the mailbox each week with a PW Torch newsletter paper copy subscription. Details at pwtorch.com slash papercopy. It's 12 pages every week packed with my TV reports along with exclusive features such as my cover story on the top story of the week, our pay-per-view roundtable reviews from the Torch staff, exclusive feature-length columns from Greg Parks, Rich Fan, Sean Radikin, Alan Cunahan, and Zach Hadorn, Torch Talk transcripts, the latest news, and more. pwtorch.com slash papercopy. Take a break from screen time and settle in every week with a mega dose of wrestling news and analysis with a Pro Wrestling Torch Newsletter paper copy edition in the year 2022, you can get a full year of home delivery for just $99. Or try us for an eight-week trial subscription. pwtorch.com slash paper copy. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But it's not even, Tom, about whether they can be excellent or not, which they, those matches all you've laid out are excellent. I'm talking next level epic in terms of story there and story as paired with ring. And that's more what I'm talking about. And to me, even all those matches you just laid out, excellent matches, totally rewatchable. Every single one of them. I don't think they meet that, that, that criteria. I didn't like WrestleMania 12, which you loved, but I can at least recognize flair or not flair. My gosh, Hart versus Michaels. Epic. Great story, you know, whatever. The whole, the whole thing was just felt elevated. Even how people look back on Rock and Austin and all that stuff. And again, these are world championship matches. I get that. But even like when we talk about the glory days of the Intercontinental Championship, do I think this could reach that? Yeah, and I actually think we're in a glory day of the Intercontinental Championship. So mm-hmm. I'm, by the way, really willing and excited to be wrong about this. This isn't like a thing for me. But just, am I, am I super excited about it? I, I would have been more excited, almost honestly, for a Drew versus Gunther like match. I really would have. I do feel, given the history between Sheamus Gunther, just having Drew McIntyre involved and his history of Sheamus, I do think they didn't need 
any story with this one. And I'd like every now and then for them to just come out and say, we just want to put this match on. We think you'll love it because the crowd would, would probably be like, yeah, yeah, we, we will love that. We're very excited. A storyline wasn't really needed, but it did mean opportunities for LA Knight, Karrion Cross to be on TV without being utterly demolished by Drew McIntyre, even though Karrion Cross was, as usual, utterly demolished again by Drew McIntyre. What is going on with Cross? Oh, That's a just, good question. He just isn't even like himself in the ring. I, there was a moment where he couldn't even get up in the ring. And like, I'm not trying to, like, listen, I can barely stand with my knees clicking and all that kind of stuff. But he just doesn't move with any sense of urgency. It just is very bizarre to me. It is. Um, since he was looking like JBL, too. So when some weeks I look at him, he looks like Edge. Last night he looked like JBL. Uh, the whole thing, I, I just, I don't get it. I don't understand what's happening. And the star quality that used to surround Scarlett Bordeaux is just gone. You know, I was hot on her, Tom. Yeah. I thought she was a star in the making. Now, meh. Every time Karrion Cross steps in the ring, he seems to be defined further and further down. Since coming in and saying, Roman, your time's up, and then forgetting that Roman existed, he's just been getting beaten up week in and week out by Drew McIntyre. He's been a punch bag. He's not established any actual personality, any credibility. He does good backstage promos every now and then. I'll give him that. The feud of Rey Mysterio was 50-50. It was even, and Rey Mysterio's moved on from that. But carrying cross for me, there's a lot that still needs to be sorted out there. Something's really missing. Yeah, big time. The United States Championship picture will pitch Austin Fury defending against John Cena. John Cena has just returned to the company. It looks like he'll be there for a couple of weeks, according to the Wrestling Observer. There's some availability there as he tries to build towards this match. It's nice to see John Cena back at WrestleMania. I think this could be a very good match between two competitors that are actually quite similar in build, style, and overall character at times, though one is, of course, on the other end of the aisle for face. Um, I'm actually quite looking forward to this match, and I think this is... This is probably the best they could do for Austin Theory. So a very good position for him to be in. What do you make of this matchup? Yeah, and to me, it seems um, uninteresting in, in overall presentation. A compliment to Theory and a chance to get John Cena on the show in a pretty innocuous kind of way. Yeah, it's not going to be a standout match. It's not going to be one you remember much in the ages to come. But it does feel like a bit more of a passing of the torch. I didn't like the pump in the uh, the audience reactions comment from Cena. You know, Cena is uh, a, actually re- an underrated promo and overrated in terms of putting people over based on his in-ring work. Because, and what I mean by that is, he has had some significant opportunities to, re- to elevate people, and he has in the ring. I do think his promos are undercutting. And, you know, it's kind of this, the same criticism I've given Becky Lynch over the years is there's some points where you make too damaging of a, a dig on someone on the mic. And I felt like that was maybe that whole thing with the, the bald spot and the whole thing. And then the, uh, the, the piped in thing. I, I actually think even in that exchange, it was more damaging the theory in, in, in a not helpful way. And the bald spot was almost to the point where it's so it's so prominent. Like, how do you not at some point have a heel acknowledge it? But, you know, you're talking to someone with a receding hairline, too, and it's a sensitive thing when you do that, you know, with men. And I understand that. But um, I don't know. I just think that they could have found a better, more interesting story in this. I get you. And to be fair, it's just started. So hopefully they will kick it into gear a little better. I'm allowed to have my opinion. But as I say, and as you say, there's only three weeks left and three weeks is not a long time. Three weeks is not a long time. 
So they've kicked this off way too late for it to be too interesting. I completely agree as regards promos undercutting. I think back to WrestleMania 32 when The Rock made an appearance with the Wyatt family. And the Wyatt family, Bray Wyatt in particular, did not recover from that ever. No, you're right about that. Bray Wyatt still has not recovered from that moment where The Rock utterly demolished him and completely ruined him in the eyes for fans going forwards. I mean, The Rock kind of owes that guy an apology, to be completely honest. Um, but there are plenty. Why of do you think they do that? Why do you think that these really skilled, you know, experienced, the most experienced promos in many ways, like, do they do they have a blind spot to it? Is that their way of telling us that they this isn't like subconsciously, this isn't a guy worth really investing in? Like, what do you think it's about? I don't think it's about that personally. And obviously, it'll be different for each individual. I think when you factor in the the basic tenant of a wrestler is you're there to entertain. And when you're as good on the mic as a, as a rock, as Becky Lynch is proving to be, as John Cena, you sort of go with the flow. The crowd's leading you on. The crowd wants something, and you've got something. It's going to entertain the crowd. You don't have time to stop and think. I think The Rock is mostly instinctive with his promos. I would say the same of John Cena. There's an opportunity there. You know it's going to entertain the audience. You take it. And then afterwards, you stop and think, ah, I did a lot of damage there. It's one of those, maybe in the ring it doesn't play off the same in your head as it does on TV and so on and so forth. But that's me giving benefit of the doubt. There are undoubtedly some people who intentionally try and undercut their opponents. Yeah, you know, as a legacy babyface, you're kind of in an awkward spot now they say that. I mean, even Steve Austin at times, I mean, think of when he came back in with, what was it, like Carlito was in the ring and he was, you know, you, how do you not go for the cheap pop? Like, how do you, when there's no real story for you to be there? There, you know, I mean, it, it is kind of, yeah, you're right about that, Tom. I mean, but is it something, again, worth cheering for? Well, you're cheering for the nostalgia of it all. And you hope that the heel, you know, gets gets out unscathed. But the problem is they don't always get out unscathed. And you've you made know. an unforced error. I think a lot of this comes down to long-term versus momentary storytelling as well. You get a pop for the moment, but you do damage long-term. And there's a few, there's a lot of examples in the Attitude Era. Steve Austin basically destroyed everyone who came his path. I remember him stunnering Jeff Jarrett five times in one show. And at no point did Jeff Jarrett even look aware that it was happening. There was just a massive gulf between Steve Austin and everyone else because Steve Austin was protected and everyone else was just how they protected him. I remember The Shield taking on the entire roster of Raw and just demolishing them. Mm. There's plenty of examples of this doing way too much damage. Roman well, Reigns. look at your guy, Triple H. <laughs> I was definitely coming to Triple H. No Tories for it, literally, yeah. Uh, there were some issues between Undertaker and Chris Jericho that nearly resulted in Chris Jericho being fired right at the beginning. There's plenty of examples of this, and it's it's very difficult sometimes to even admit that your favorites are guilty of it. I'm a fan of Bray Wyatt, but nobody comes out of a Bray Wyatt feud unscathed anymore. Nobody. L.A. Knight certainly was elevated by the lead into the feud. And then he took several weeks off and we all just supposed to forget about it. Is that what happens with Bray now? Bobby Lashley's involved. Now, he was going to be feuding with Brock Lesnar going into WrestleMania. Now he's feuding with Bray Wyatt. Let's move on to that and talk about it at least briefly. Because what chance does Bobby Lashley have of actually recovering from this if he takes this loss? You see the new scream? Brock Lesnar and Omos. No, I'm asking you a question. I have not seen the new screen. So let me tell you about the new screen. It's a slasher flick. 
which as I have said before, is a, is what Bray Wyatt is, uh, the character is really initially being presented as. Um, and you know, there's this new thing in horror, which I'm not a big horror aficionado, but you know, back when, frankly, Tom, when we were younger, a kill was a kill and a, a stab was a, it was a kill in a movie. And then there'd be the one person who magically did not die. If you would like that, there was a survivor that shouldn't have survived, but Yes. Okay. We are now at a state where in the current horror movies is you get stabbed a thousand times and yet, wow, magically they're still alive. And that's almost like where we are with the Bray Wyatt thing is this should be, this should have quote kills attached to it. Not obviously literal kills, but there's, there should be changes to massive shifts in the storytelling for all involved. This should be something that Bobby Lashley saw what happened to LA night. And thus he is, you know, so for such a strong, you know, confident, you know, talented man, there's that glimmer of this one's a little too deep for me after what happened to that guy, but there's no reason why would he be scared? Why would the why is this a, a quote killer worth running away away from? Now, is this slasher thing something I've maybe just put onto it? Sure, but the character is representative of a horror pick in some way, and he's someone worth being presented that was presented as being worth being scared of. And there is no reason for Bobby Lashley to be scared. Do I think Bobby Lashley is actually an interesting person to go up against Bray Wyatt? I don't know, but he's definitely more interesting than I think Brock Lesnar was. So I'll take that. For the occasion, I didn't mind the muscle man dance thing because there still seemed to be that dark tinge behind it. But it's missing a lot of different characters here. It's missing, you know, the importance of that background, the support to Bray Wyatt. It's missing Bobby being scared. It's missing some of the the people to tell their story on why they should be scared of Bray Wyatt. See, Bray Wyatt is the only person telling the story. But you almost needed that. You need that survivor to say, don't look into that light because what's there is going to change you. There's nobody saying that. L.A. Knight is parading around, to your point, Tom, like nothing. And that's the most damaging thing you could have for that for that Bray Wyatt character. So, you know, I think that, you know, in terms of WrestleMania, we saw WrestleMania as the death of the Fiend character. I don't think it's going to necessarily be the death of Bray Wyatt's character, but don't be surprised if it's not. Keep in mind, we've only seen Bray in the ring once and we barely saw him. So if this we're actually going to see this, this could be DOA for that character. You heard it here first. Quickly going to run through a couple of the lower card matches that I know haven't achieved much attention so far. And yes, I'm going to touch on it. Brock Lesnar versus Omos. Your thoughts, Nick? I have none. Fantastic. The six-woman tag will take place between Becky Lynch, Lita, and Trish Stratus on one side and Damage Control on the other. Becky Lynch and Lita have just won the Women's Tag Team Championships from Damage Control, thanks in part to the invasion of Trish Stratus. Stratus, I've melded so many words together there, um, essentially protecting them from Bailey and the involvement of other members of Damage Control there. Now, this is certainly not where I expected this to go, particularly with Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler supposedly going to be joining the AEW Women's Tag Team Championship picture in time to compete at WrestleMania, and they have been nowhere to be seen for the past couple of weeks. 
This six-woman tag is non-title. The titles will not be on the line. Are you excited for the match? I am very unhappy with this match, and I mean that not to be humorful. I think that this is um, undercutting of the hard work of damage control. I don't know why this would be a good idea for Becky Lynch. I have zero interest in seeing Lita and Trish Stratus back in that ring. I resent when we've had to say and be expected to pay money for goodbye matches for people. And then they come back with zero recognition or care attached to that. Like I didn't have a problem say when Macho Man retired at WrestleMania seven and then was drawn out in that feud. Like he had to like something so like visceral had to draw him out to in that feud with Jake Roberts. And then subsequently Ric Flair to like get him to continue wrestling. That works for me. Trish Stratus, how many good, this is worse than the share farewell tour. I just can't deal with this. I don't enjoy, you know, the, the nostalgia circuit of it all. I don't see how this in any way matches what Becky Lynch should be producing for the company based on her, her popularity. But I want to go back to what I initially said, damage control damaged by this. Like, yes, Tom, this goes to, this is not theory versus John Cena. Where that's a clear, we're a, putting Theory on a plane higher than anything he else would be possibly doing for WrestleMania. This is the highest of the highs. This is not that. Trish Stratus and, and Lita do not carry with them that, that legend legacy that a John Cena does or a Steve Austin from last year. They've been far too present over the years, far too you know part of it all. And I would say far too awkward in the ring for this to be something worth being excited for the four everyday opponents to be. I'm not upset that necessarily damage control lost the championship. That's whatever. But it feels like something's missing on the babyface side, like something went wrong or something was changed, something was shifted, because it just feels completely undercooked at this point. Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net, along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com. There's a few matches which feel like there were some last-minute changes. You look at Bray Wyatt versus Bobby Lashley. That feels like it's been scripted on the fly. Uh, Brock and Omos, another example of that. Just from my perspective, this one as well seems like it's been a, a lot of changes very late in the day. The championship change certainly seemed to come out of nowhere. Uh, the rumors of Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler, where have they gone? Ronda Rousey was in a sling this time last week. So that may be playing a part of it. And the fact that we're not going to have the Women's Tag Team Championships defended at WrestleMania based on the current booking, three weeks is an awfully short amount of time. And we've said it a few times in this, and it's still very much true. It is not a long amount of time to get these things sorted. And for me, the, these are not sorted. These are not cut and dry. These are not matches as they should be, where we've built to them, we've reached a crescendo at the right time, and we're ready to go. WrestleMania feels... Like, there's only really one or two matches where they've built it right, where we've had a decent size of build and we're starting to peak at the right time. This is not one of them because this is not what I, don't, I feel anyone really expected. 
It's very much not. I was looking forward to a Bailey versus Becky Lynch match, for example. Quite a few people were looking forward to the idea of Becky Lynch and Lita versus Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. But every week, we're getting indications that the matches are going to be different. So it's very, very confusing. I also, I have to ask the question, is Trish, is Trish Stratus just there for the nostalgia pop? Because surely there are other people you could be using in that spot anyway. Well, it kind of reads to me like we don't have anything big for Bailey and Becky. So who have you always wanted to be in the ring? with? That's what I think that they're there for. I get what you're saying. And I really do. I think this is a favor. And I think that that's that's just all that's happening here. You know, but it is odd. And this is the thing that is striking me so odd is we as an audience have been trained to accept a triple threat match. A point you made earlier as being the like preview for the real match. So you can't be mad at people when they think that a triple threat, a um, six-man tag match is underwhelming. You did it. You I get me? Agree. No, I completely agree with you. It does feel like uh, it's the spoiler element again, isn't it? It feels like Tristratus is there as a spoiler, just keeping everyone apart for a bit longer. I don't know. For me, it's not really working. Uh, two more matches I want to discuss. Actually, sorry, three more matches I want to discuss. Firstly, Edge versus Finn Balor. How do you feel the build to this one has been so far? Too long. Far too long. I don't understand why this feud is still going. I don't I don't either. It doesn't feel interesting to me. I mean, it feels fine, I guess. You just can't trust that the end of the match is going to be final. Because we've had a final moment between them like five or six times. It's like the end of the Return of the King Lord of the Rings movie. Where they ended the film about six times. I don't know. I never saw that. They just they did the long slow fade out and then they just kept going. Then they did the long and then they just it was it was so bad. This is Return of the King. Is Return this the of the King. One? This yes, is the third one. Oh, I was pissed at that movie. I was so pissed that that won the Oscar over Lost in Translation. It is a sin that Sofia Coppola lost that Oscar. I mean, you know what a disgrace! What a disgrace! And I still want to know what Bill Murray whispered at the end. And people talk about that. I'll tell you that right now. I talked to you looking like Gollum over here. Uh, that comparison has been made before. <laughs> really? <laughs> Not well, favorably. No, well, you're handsome. But um, favorably. The, uh, oh, I'm still, let me tell you Tom, something, Tom. There's few movies I get, you know, I get excited for Scream. But I was very excited for Lost in Translation. Oh, great movie. You watch it? You ever seen that? I don't think I have. It's been on my list for a while. Oh, you would love it. It's your humor. Ooh, okay. It's very intelligent. You know, you're one of the smartest people I know. But you would love oh, that. Feel guilty about the Gollum comment, don't you? No. You've been very complimentary all of a sudden. No. Because mm. I don't tag- really think you look like Gollum. The tag team championship match. We touched on it a little bit earlier with the Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens of it all. So just a summary of this one. I feel this has had one of the best builds of any of it. Because we've still got a hot Sami Zayn. Admittedly losing a bit, but a hot Sami Zayn. Kevin Owens not quite there yet, but I feel that they may not stick the landing on this one. But the Jey Uso of it all has been very entertaining. They had, there were plenty of allusions to the fact he would side with Jimmy. The fact that he defended the tag championships with Jimmy against Ricochet and Braun Strowman. And said afterwards, I'll always be there for you. Very clear of where his loyalties lie. I like what they did on Monday Night Raw. Is clear conflict still exists with Jey Uso, but we'll still get our tag team championship match. And I really am excited for the match itself. How do you feel about this one? Well, are you re- you're really excited for the match or are you excited with the, for the story? Because that's where I'm, I'm difficulty. For the match. See, I'm not there. I'm, on, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in the story. I thought that the 
The super kick ending was brilliant, right? And I thought that the sell job of Sami Zayn, by the way, Tom, was outrageously strong. But you know, for the match itself, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm. I guess I could get there. I mean, I'm, I think the the concept of being excited for a, a tag team championship match is still a little uh, foreign to me. But you know, I'm I'm getting there ish. I'm interested in. I wasn't interested in like you know how I've been not happy at all about um, Jey Uso turning heel again. And then I was on Twitter the next day, and I don't know if you tweeted it or someone tweeted it, but or retweeted it. It was a um, thing that said, like, you know, it was something basically an insinuation that, you know, Jay whispered something to Sammy first before he kicked him. And then also like that he the reminder that he was doing this about to protect his brother, not to be in favor of of Roman. And I needed that to kind of get re-excited for it, because what I don't want is character abandonment along this way. I really, really don't. And. I, again, I've said to you before, I, I think the Kevin Owens part is actually the thing I'm least interested in because I do think it has taken too long. It fits the story, right, for him to be reluctant, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's 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 all that exciting to me. Do I think it could get there? Yeah, sure. What I am curious about, you know, I think people look at it as that should be night one and Roman should be night two. I don't think that should be the case necessarily. I think they should both be on night two. I think one should maybe open the show or be lead in right into the main event, because I do think there's like. How does the a the the I, I don't know, I'm curious, I guess, that what they what they would do, honestly, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I want you to sit with the championship. Do you know that about me? I, I think I've heard that at some point. I don't think this is over. I completely agree. There is still an issue between Jay and Roman. And I honestly am very happy with his acting on SmackDown because the conflict was clearly there. He was not happy about what he did, but he made the right choice for him. It is about family. And I get that. After WrestleMania, I still think there's a lot of unfinished business. And I think Jay versus Roman is going to happen down the line, just not for a championship. You really think that? You've been saying that for a long time. And I stand that by. makes me makes me sad. Oh. Oh. It makes me sad. And I'm pissed. Now I'm pissed. What are the stages of grief? Uh, pissed isn't one of them. No, I am pissed. Well, because this is, can I tell you, this, you've beaten me down. All you people have beaten me down. This should be Jay Uso, not Cody Rhodes. I'm going to say it one more time. So when you keep asking me, and I know you're right to ask me about Cody Rhodes, like, I'm tired of answering it because what we should be saying is Jey Uso is killing it on the mic. There is no reluctance. You don't need to worry about the the theme. You don't need to worry about the costuming. You don't need to worry about the promo. You don't need to worry about the history. You don't need to worry about the video package. You don't need to worry about the quality of the match. You don't need to worry about anything. It's there. He's handsome enough for the role. He looks like a star for the role. He, God knows, can wrestle enough for the role, which is the most important thing. But the promos, which just up there with the wrestling, exceptional. I don't understand why we're not here. I am pissed. I am pissed off. Well, Nick, I don't know if you've heard this, but three weeks is not a long time. And after WrestleMania, he's much closer than it seems at the moment. What does that mean? Oh, 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 oh yeah. Well, that's true. We you know what? We'll be able to move on from Cody relatively soon. Do you think? Do you? How quickly do you? Let's let's say this. Do you think 
if we if Roman moves on to his next program, you think he could have something with Jay by like backlash? You think, or is you think would you push it all the way to SummerSlam? I'd 100 percent push it to SummerSlam. I think Roman's going to have a break after Mania. That's my way of saying. I'm, I, I, so I'm, you know, I love Puerto Rico, Tom. I've talked to you from Puerto Rico many times. You have, and uh, yeah, and uh, when I saw backlash is going there. Oh, I put in for tickets. Ooh, I don't think I'm going to go though. Why would you get tickets anyway? <laughs> that leaves us with one more match I want to discuss. I want to end by discussing Dominic versus Rey Mysterio. Another match that I feel has had a really good build so far. Dominic's putting together pretty good promos, very good acting. The idea that Ray just doesn't want to hit is somebody's getting so close, he's going to get there. It definitely has echoes of WrestleMania 14 between Undertaker and Kane, just keeping the two of them apart and causing as much damage as possible. Legado are being very good spoilers at the moment. They're getting the rub just by being featured in this one. Judgment Day are looking good by being dominant on the, even just on the outside at times and actually picking up wins, which has been rare for Judgment Day for a while. This match for me is, is quite exciting. What do you make of it? I think it's the most exciting match on the card. I think it has the best build, is the most interesting. I think, um, yeah, no, I, I definitely, this one I really like. I don't see what you see about Legato in this. I think Legato is not benefiting. I, I do think uh, Santos Escobar, Escobar, am I, am I having like a, brain freeze over here yeah yeah has been doing oh my god tom i don't know what's happening to me over here um i think he's been strong i didn't feel that um the the tag team del toro and cruz joaquin wild who's del toro no del toro is one of them they've won who's cruz it's Cruz del Toro. Oh my God! I Tom, send me to send me to retirement. Um, I don't think I don't think that they they kind of like fit in that role necessarily. But I do think this is what I would say. If I'm Rey Mysterio, and let's assume that you are potentially winding down your career, this is actually a really you should be proud of this one. See, when you referenced earlier, Tom, the the feud he had with carrying cross it you know we're, no one's ever going to remember that just like nobody really cares that before rick flair retired he had that program with mr kennedy and mvp you know those were so minor and i only remember it because i was in madison square garden when he had that match i think it was with mvp at that that royal rumble um but they were just like you know speed bumps to get yeah. to get to the, the to get to the big the big match i do think this this program with with dominic is is fabulous i must say I thought Dominic really missed that line with Eddie about Eddie last night. He came too fast with it. That should have been more of a punch. You feel that way too? I feel like you would have caught on to that. I did. Yeah. I, I feel it was a good line, but there, there was just too much dead air around it. Yeah. Got the it. crowd didn't respond immediately either. Yeah. I, the timing was off. That should have been in, in many ways, the punchline of the leading to the rest of it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. And, uh, you know, but in general, I think Dominic Mysterio is is the star. I think he's just, I had a guy in an argument with somebody last night about saying he wasn't a good actor. I'm like, how do you mean he's not a good actor? Why do you keep meeting these people? It's the same people. <laughs> of course, it's the same people. <laughs> it was announced on SmackDown last night that Rey Mysterio, not just uh, content with having a match at WrestleMania, will also be the first inductee into this year's Hall of Fame. This, to me, certainly suggests it is possible he will be winding down and this WrestleMania will be his last. What better way to go out than against Dominic and to put him over in the process? But, Nick, you're a fan of Rey Mysterio. The Hall of Fame induction, 
is a huge moment for him and incredibly well-deserved. Talk to me about that. Well, I think it is really well-deserved. Now, I personally would have preferred that he was no longer an active wrestler and then so it wasn't so directly linked to storyline. and Or like, you know, that if he there was a year, say, gap between if he were to retire at this year's WrestleMania, that he would get that appreciation pop that he deserves with people missing him, quite frankly, rather than being someone who was just in the mid-card for the past couple of years. Um, Ray Mysterio, my first memories of Ray was in 1996. Um, and while, you know, I can say honestly, when Ray Mysterio first came out in WCW, which is where I was familiar with him from, um, I mean, I'd never seen anything like him. And that's the best compliment I can have. I remember being a young kid playing with my wrestling figures on the um, the living room of my, my parents' house. And um, WCW did, I think it was Great American Bash, um, Bash, Bash of the Beach, and Hog Wild. Hog Wild, the 1996 yeah, version, when Hogan had turned heel. They, they did for a short period of time um, VHS releases, whereas that wasn't like they're typical for all their pay-per-views. And I remember that was really really how I found Rey Mysterio. I remember him being part of like the early cruiserweight division and just jaw dropping every single time. But then I remember specifically playing with my action figures and he had a match at bash at the beach with psychosis, which was just, I mean, you watch it today and it's still mind boggling, but for the time it was beyond, you know, comprehension about the moves that they were doing, you know, uh, I think it's like the, the Splash Mountain down to a Huracarana. It was, it was mind blowing, and it was different. He is a trailblazer. He is someone that we've taken for granted over the years because the bar has continued to raise. When you have someone like Ricochet doing, you know, all these flips and everything, you forget that Ray did it. Did it first. You know what was the expression about um, Ginger Rogers? She she did it backwards and in heels. That's what Ray did because he he blazed a, a, a path that wasn't there before him in America. Now, I think most people are aware uh, or in America became not most people, many people became aware from what the, the Triple H when Triple A when Worlds Collide um, show in Mexico City. Wasn't that like known for being what? I don't know. But anyway, that was kind of how when ECW saw him, WCW saw him. And, and I didn't know him in that the anything earlier than WCW. But, you know, the WCW cruiserweight division was incredible. And Ray was the backbone of it. And. You know, his WWE and career has been exceptional. I think he's just fantastic. I, I'm really excited that we lived at a time where he was an active wrestler. Sorry for that rant. I just, I got emotional a little watching it last no, night. No, it, it, it's absolutely fine. I think the impact of Rey Mysterio and the style that he brought to wrestling has uh, really shown in the modern wrestlers. You look at Seth Rollins and his style, his more cruiserweight, heavyweight style, as it were. Will Ospreay in Japan, Kenny Omega. There are so many wrestlers who owe a lot to Rey Mysterio. And it did become more than just about entertaining in the ground and pound wrestling that you see of the Triple H's or Andy Orton still doing from many years back. It has become more of an overriding entertainment element. You see a lot more top rope stuff. You see a lot of uh, people like Shawn Michaels certainly blazing a similar trail at the time. But Rey Mysterio made it popular. Cruiserweight wrestling as main event. And that is something that we're still seeing today. Rey Mysterio has made a huge impact on wrestling globally, around the world. And I do feel this is probably one of the best Hall of Fame inductions we're going to get. What were some of your favorite Rey matches or opponents? So I really enjoyed when he first came in against Kurt Angle. 
Yes, that's for too. the WWE particularly. I do. I have seen that match against Psychosis when I believe it was all the purple, uh, and really quite enjoyed that. I also feel he did really well against any time he was in the ring of Eddie Guerrero. Literally any time, they did quite a few. Yeah, that one. I, I honestly, I, I didn't love his feud with Eddie Guerrero in WWE. I particularly meant WCW that. Oh, I don't know. You know, I'm not familiar with. Oh, they did that one at Halloween Havoc that everyone said. See, yeah, that was very good. Thank you for drawing my memory there. I, for me, I, you know, what I loved. I actually loved him as Edge's tag team partner during that SmackDown Six era, where it was him and Edge, and then Kurt Angle and Name Redacted, and the Guerrero, Los Guerreros. That was really, really spectacular stuff. Psychosis to me was it, but him versus Dean Malenko. Dean Malenko, and I can remember, this is so crazy. I remember this. You're like bringing up memories in me. I was signed up. My mom said I wasn't social enough as a kid. So she signed me up for an art class. And it was in, it was 96. He, I guess he just won the, the Cruiserweight Championship around like July, uh, July time period. And he wore a blue and orange costume. And I like, I'd never seen like that kind of like, color palette on a wrestler before. And I went to the next day to the art class and won it and had, and like drew that scene of him winning the championship. It, you know, you've unlocked the memory in me there. So, yeah. That's the power of Rey Mysterio. Apparently. We are going to wrap it up there. Nick, where can people find what you? What are we wrapping media up? Tom, this is a G rated show, please. Okay. God. Where can people find you? Well, they find me on Twitter at Nicholas Barbati, N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S-B-A-R-B-A-T-I. I lied to people and said I was making a YouTube show last week. I did not. Oh, we're just leaving it there. Okay. <laughs> you can, of course, find me on Twitter at Collihue. That is C-O-L-O-H-U-E. On YouTube under Tom Collihue. And we're also sort of uh, having a bit of a renaissance with TikTok at the moment. Every morning we're uploading daily wrestling rumors so you can get as updated as you possibly can be about what's going on in the world of wrestling straight when you log in first thing in the morning. TikTok at Tom Collihue. In the meantime, I want to say a huge thank you to everyone who has joined us. Of course, uh, thank you to Nick as well. We have been Nick and Tom's Intercontinental Adventure. Thank you and goodbye. Okay, so now I can finally talk about Scream. So let me tell you, there was a clear moment where I'm sitting there. And you were talking about 1996. That's when Scream 1 came out. We're talking about Rey Mysterio. It's a year of masks, if you would. But it's all about gay. Just another quick reminder, pwtorch.com slash govip, coupon code MARCH23, gets you $6 off a VIP subscription this month. GoVIP here, our post-Revolution Roundtable podcast, exclusively for VIP members. That membership will give you instant access to our post-Revolution pay-per-view roundtable that we recorded immediately after Revolution for VIP members, and that will also include our Night 1 and Night 2 post-event roundtables, plus everything in between. Our 18 years ago podcast, vintage insider news updates from me and the Torch team, and new Wade Keller hotlines with exclusive news and many other features. Full details at pwtorch.com. Slash go VIP coupon code March 23 gets you $6 off 60% off a one month sub or $6 off a three month or one year sub. It's a new year, so why not treat yourself to a PW Torch VIP membership and get these shows with the ads and plugs removed and 
a ton of VIP-exclusive audio shows such as the new Focus on AEW and Focus on WWE series that I record throughout the week dedicated to a focused look at WWE news and a focused look at AEW news along with commentary, analysis, and Q&A with VIP member listeners. Plus our post-pay-per-view VIP-exclusive roundtables and so much more. Plus over 35 years of archives of podcasts, radio shows, newsletters, articles, Check it out, pwtorch.com slash govip. Tells you all about membership. So why not make 2022 the year that you enjoy all the benefits that come with a PW Torch VIP membership? Hello, you people. Today is Tuesday, March 13th, 2018, and you are making the list. I am your host, Pat McNeil. This is episode eight of Making the List here on PW Torch Livecast. Today we are set to decide on the top seven professional wrestling movies of all time our telephone number is 515-605-9345 the email address of course is pwtorchlivecast at gmail.com our pwtorchlivecast chat room is open right now and of course you can send in your twitter questions for us today to real pat mcneil uh we are expecting our guest uh just incredible aka pj Polacco, to call in any second now but uh, right now we're going to we're going to start talking about uh, the seven greatest pro wrestling movies of all time. Uh, we came up with a starter list. Now these include these can include documentaries. Yes, they can. They can include actual theatrical classics like oh I don't know Body Slam with uh, Roddy Roddy Piper and Dirk Benedict. Uh, they can I suppose include cartoons like the Scooby Doo WrestleMania Mystery. Or independent productions like the Wrestling Road Diaries. It doesn't matter. We need to know your top seven right here, right now. Uh, call us 515-605-9345 and uh, let us in on what you want here. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, while we wait for our guests to arrive, we can go ahead and get started. Uh, let's go to the telephones. We're uh, starting off with, I believe, Cumberland, Maryland, where Ryan from Cumberland is standing by. Hold on. Ryan from Cumberland, Maryland, you are making the list, sir. Hello. Hello. Uh, first movie I'd like to submit would be Grunt. Grunt. Uh, Grunt, the wrestling movie. Yes. Uh, a, a short description of the plot for, for people who haven't seen it. Uh, I remember a guy loses his head because I saw it when I was real young. Okay. So that was That's... the highlight of the movie. Yeah, they also had some uh, cami- some classic cameos from uh, from wrestlers of the uh, of the late seventies and early eighties. Yeah, okay, that's, that's definitely that's that's definitely one of them. All right, um, let's see. Okay, well, we, I can put you on hold until the guest shows up, or we can uh, or you can keep going. Okay, uh, you- my second submission isn't actually a movie, but. Okay. It is a one-hour TV show, which might qualify as uh, maybe. Okay. It was, uh, Listening. It was an episode of Little House on the Prairie that featured uh, Big John Garvey oh, yeah. becoming a pro wrestler. That's true. That was... Is, uh... yeah. My Go question ahead. is, question. is that how uh, wrestling was in Minnesota at that time, as they would trick the local town folk and believing they could be pro wrestlers so the townspeople would bet the uh, church offerings on the matches and possibly squander the church funds on wrestling matches? Well, um, I mean, not necessarily the church funds, but it, it was it was kind of how the, the Carney system operated. You know, you bring in 
you bring in your champion, uh, let's say, you know, you, you bring in your champion, uh, then you try to set, the, what they did there is they brought in their, their champion, whoever that was, and, uh, you know, they, they, had, uh, they had a quote-unquote, you know, tournament with the, with the locals, and, and the local star was, uh, you know, was played by Merlin Olsen, Jonathan Garvey, Merlin Olsen, and Merlin Olsen beat the guy that, that was the, the setup guy, the, like the, the former champion. They were going to have the match, and they decided, well, as a result of, Mer- of Jonathan Garvey beating the, beating the former champion, Jonathan Garvey deserves a shot at the world title. And, you know, money, cha- and of course, not only do you have money changing hands, but obviously you had people paying for the tickets and all that. And it's, I mean, it's kind of, it, yeah, it's, it's not, uh, I don't think it's completely inaccurate. I mean, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's television, it's 140 years ago, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of, I mean, that's a simple version of the con, yeah. I mean, they were they were they were making tours. They uh, you know they they stopped in a town for for a couple of weeks and I guess got all the money they could. And uh, I suppose if uh, I suppose if you know if if Jonathan Garvey had been a good enough shooter, he would have uh, they would have you know taken him on the road with them and and dropped off whoever the the ex champ was. Of course, okay. that you know that that's not that's not going to work because whoever the you know. Whoever the uh, the champion was was enough of a was enough of a hooker or or shooter or you know or cheat or would cheat just enough just to make sure that uh, you know that didn't happen. So. Okay. And my uh, final submission is actually not a movie, but a better one-hour wrestling episode, which would be Half Nelson from The Incredible Hulk. And my question is, was there any wrestlers that actually were the wrestlers in that movie, or did they just have? Uh, Actors playing those wrestlers. I don't know, um, but thanks to thanks to my Google machine, I'm sure I could look that up. Let's see. Uh, yeah. And obviously, uh, Lou Ferrigno would be uh, yeah. would be the guy that you'd want to avoid in that situation. Although he's a bo- he was a bodybuilder, he wasn't a uh, wasn't really a pro wrestler. Let's see. Okay, and he was offered a big contract by Vince McMahon in the eighties to feud with Hulk Hogan, according to his. Autobiography. Well, if it's in his autobiography, it absolutely has to be true. Okay, so let's go back. To, let's go back, courtesy of IMDb, to that uh, moment. Although I don't know that it's going to qualify. All right. So the writers include. Uh, let's see. Oh, the writer. Yeah. Okay. It's show developed by Kenneth Johnson, who wrote Six Million Dollar Man, among other things. All right. So it's, this is Baltimore. David Bimley. Oh, Hard Boiled Haggerty's in it. He's playing Gregor. Uh, some guy playing a midget wrestler, Elaine Joyce. I don't think she was playing a wrestler. Um, I think that's. I don't know who. I don't know who these other guys are. So, yeah, I think I think hard-boiled Haggerty Haggerty would be the big wrestling star out of that episode. Uh, let's see, this other guy was on Falcon Crest, so I doubt he was a. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he wasn't really a, much of a pro wrestler. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, usually I mean, it's like the Matlock episode. Uh, that, you know, you usually get one or two. Ep- you usually get one or two actual wrestlers to play along. They, uh, on that on that one, I remember Dick Butkus was the guy playing a wrestling star, which was funny on multiple levels. Yeah, and of course, and of course, you've forgotten the. Uh, even though even though I think they're TV episodes and they shouldn't count, you've forgotten the one where uh, with uh, Scott Bakula on Quantum Leap taking on Terry Funk. Yeah, but I don't recall Hard Boiled. Haggerty, uh, yeah, that doesn't ring a bell. That might be a little bit before my time. It might very well be before your time. This is the uh, yeah, this is the seventies we're talking about. Yeah, hard, yeah, hard-boiled Haggerty. Uh, you know, usually, the, usually also they would use guys who were based out of the West Coast. 
which is why, you know, for example, Freddie Blassie would get on, on television shows a lot back in the old days. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for uh, taking my call and answering those important questions. Well, no problem. Uh, thanks a lot, Ryan. You don't have to wait for the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show to find out what I thought of Monday Night Raw and SmackDown each week. You can check out my reports that are updated live throughout Raw and SmackDown at pwtorch.com. My written report will tell you what's happening in detail in case you missed the show, and it will also analyze key segments and give my random thoughts and quips on what I am watching as it airs. So check it out every Monday night and Tuesday night at pwtorch.com. That also applies to WWE pay-per-views. I cover those live at PWTorch.com with a detailed written report with star ratings. And, of course, you can find other TV reports from other contributors to PW Torch, such as NXT, ROH Impact Wrestling, and more. Check it out, PWTorch.com, your first stop for TV and pay-per-view written reports. Say, uh, Ryan drops off, and that opens up a line for you people at uh, 515-605-9345. We are uh, definitely awaiting the uh, arrival of uh, Justin Credible and sent him uh, the phone and have used, have tried both the phone numbers we have for him and have sent him messages. He has a, uh, believe it or not, he has a, uh, there we go. Yeah, he's a, there's a documentary coming out about uh, his comeback and the struggles he has gone through in professional wrestling, and we definitely want to hear from him. So, Hard World Haggerty, Don Stansuk, jeez, well, uh, he must have been, yeah, he was the, he was a stuntman. Uh, he was a big part of the AWA, as I recall. Yes, he was. Uh, let's see, World Tag Team Champion in the 60s. Uh, boy, uh, won the U.S. title from uh, from Gene Kaniski back in the 60s. And uh, let's see, yeah, and uh, went to the NWA and went to the Pacific, to the, went to the Vancouver Territory, and was uh, Kaniski's tag team partner, uh, won the Hawaii title, yeah, and then uh, sort of retired and went into acting, and was on a pretty much any time a, a wrestler was needed, including the Love Boat, including uh, Get Smart, uh, yeah, he's there. Uh, yeah, he was Gregor Potemkin, uh, obviously a, a Russian star. Okay. Let's uh, let's look at some of the other movie classics that uh, we we probably should be discussing here. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm generally considering anything over 60 minutes to be fair game. So Grunt, the the wrestling movie counts, and we'll go look up the details of that uh, in a moment. Uh, Rocky Three, it's kind of on the fence. There is wrestling action in there, but the bulk of it is uh, based around boxing. Which I mean, even though there is a there's a memorable scene. Where Sylvester Stallone as Rocky faces the uh, has a boxing versus wrestling charity match against the uh, against the wrestling champion Thunderlips, who was played by Hulk Hogan, and that uh, probably made Hulk Hogan the biggest star in professional wrestling back in 1983 after that movie came out, and enabled him to become the WWF champion. Uh, let's see, there's Beyond the Mat, which is a uh, another one uh, a, a documentary uh, covering Terry Funk and Mick Foley and Jake the Snake Roberts, Hitman Heart, Wrestling with Shadows. Uh, the aforementioned Body Slam with uh, Hulk Hogan, with Roddy Piper, the Tonga Kid, and uh, Dirk Benedict. Uh, Nacho Libre, where Jack Black fought Silver King. Uh, just, it's, yeah, it's just amazing uh, what, what we have here. Uh, 
we'll have to look at that. The, the Grunt may be the most influential wrestling movie ever. Of course, uh, the classic No Holds Barred starring uh, Hulk Hogan with uh, his feud against uh, Zeus, which, of course, happened in professional wrestling later. Yeah, that's, that's great. Uh, Pro Wrestlers vs. Zombies came out a few years ago. Uh, the Last of McGinnis, the Nigel McGinnis documentary, which we interviewed him about at one point. Uh, let's see, I Like to Hurt People, that's another classic. Uh, let's see, The Ric Flair, 30 for 30. Uh, Man on the Moon, the uh, the movie based on, based on Andy Kaufman's life, which involved a lot of Andy Kaufman feuding with Jerry Lawler. And they got Jim Carrey to play Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler to play Jerry Lawler. Go figure. All right, and uh, of course the uh, the 2000 classic Ready to Rumble, which uh, it, it wasn't good, folks. It, it really wasn't. If you have if you haven't seen it, we, we'd like to get some good movies on there. Probably the best on there, I'm going to say, is out of, out of the fictional films, is The Wrestler, the 2008 movie uh, Darren Aronofsky put out, and uh, that also has uh, yeah, that also has Mickey Rourke in it. It has uh, and Ernest the Cat Miller playing uh, the Ayatollah, aka Bob the Used Car Dealer. Which I always have a soft spot for that. Let's see, uh, the Sheik, the documentary on the Iron Sheik, the one and only with uh, Henry Winkler, the Fonz playing a professional wrestler in the 1950s. It's uh, I, I know Raven says it's one of his favorite movies. So if that helps you with anything, uh, so that that just gives you a starting point. Five one five six zero five nine three four five. Get on the line, get on the air, and uh, tell you what, we will be back and we will return with more. Uh, making the list right here on PW Torch Livecast, so stay tuned. So for a tasty treat that's good to eat, try Soylent Green. <laughs> Soylent Green is people. Soylent Green, made from the best stuff on earth. People. All right, we're back with more of uh, Making the List, episode 8 here on PW Torch Livecast. The number is 515-605-9345. Live here on the program, and we are looking over the eight. Excuse me, the episode eight is the seven uh, greatest professional wrestling movies of all time, and uh, it, it includes uh, it includes lots of, lots of possibilities. It includes the Matthew Modine classic Vision Quest, which uh, probably best known for uh, for the for Madonna putting out a number one song from that movie than it is for the actual movie. But uh, you know, it, it 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 passed muster. It was okay. Uh, let's see. Paradise Alley with Sylvester Stallone. I can't remember whether I saw it or not. I definitely didn't see Night in the City, which is a, a 1950 movie, which prominently features professional wrestling, or All the Marvels starring Peter Falk as the manager of a women's tag team. But really, we want to hear from you at uh, 515-605-9345. Uh, we check our emails and our uh, and our telephone messages. And uh, I, I think we had a message via Twitter that I want to get into, so let's uh, let's get back to that. Uh, let's see, we have we did have a uh, we did have a Twitter message. It is about. Uh, oh, hold on, let me just let me just play that before we start anything. Thank you. The Twitter message is about uh, WCW's real audio coverage of Halloween Havoc 1996. It has absolutely nothing to do, by the way, with uh, 1996. It. It has absolutely nothing to do with uh, the topic of today's show, but uh, the question is, did it work? Did people actually get to listen to Halloween Havoc over the Internet for a uh, for a discounted price? And I believe the answer is, yes, they did. And, uh, geez, no, and, 
Yes, they did, and uh, no, I don't think the audio went all that well. Uh, yeah, audio was kind of hard to do 22 years ago on the internet, and sometimes we even have uh, we even have podcasts to this day where there's uh, technical difficulties. I know that's hard to believe, but uh, no, it, it perhaps did not go as well as one would think. But hey, thanks for asking. All right, let's see what we have here. Um, I suppose we could try to call PJ again. I don't think he'll mind. Uh, let's see. Well, he might mind. All right, I I just just the numbers I have for him didn't work. So if anybody else wants to call in, that would be great at five one five six zero five nine three four five. Let's talk about uh, uh, the other classic, Nacho Libre. It's a uh, it's a movie very loosely based on a priest who moonlighted as a professional wrestler and uh, loosely is probably the best way to put it. Uh, it's it was it's very silly. Well, not that there's anything wrong with that, but uh, you know, it, it wasn't really bad, and uh, that's—I I guess that's the—I guess that's the the best thing you can say about some of these movies. Because let, let's face it, um, you know, no way, no holds barred, bad, ready to rumble, uh, bad, except for uh, a section of the movie where I think it's uh, Martin Landau embarrassing uh, Sid and uh, Perry Saturn. Actually, you know what? That that's bad too. Now that I mention it. Yeah, this is uh actually none of this is yeah, it's it's not very good. Okay, um let's see here. I'm trying to find somebody uh, to call in. But uh, you can call in now. This is this is live on the air at uh, 515-605-9345. Uh let's see what we have here. So, let's see if I can bring in somebody to the program who can help. Hold on a moment. Let's see if there's somebody. Try to see if we can do an effects in video chat. Nope. I can't here. Okay, I'm I'm trying to call for I'm trying to phone a friend for help with this program, and I'm sure they'll I'm sure people will uh, people will respect that. Hello, hello, are you there? Yes. Uh, would you mind calling? Uh, would you mind calling into the podcast? Uh, you know, five one five six zero five nine three four five. Yeah, we're sort of missing a guest here. I know, I know. The listeners love surprises. This is definitely going to be a surprise. So, six zero five nine three four five. Yes, that's how you reach us, right here on PW Torch Livecast. And uh, this is this is going to be uh, this is going to be quite the uh, quite the topic here. Okay, and uh, we'll we'll get started in full effect in in just a moment. Uh, let's see. We've already started. Uh, I mean, we really need to narrow these down here because we've got uh, the Sheik. We've got I like to hurt people. We've got Choke Slam. A movie that came out a couple of years ago. It's Canadian. I there are a couple of wrestlers in it. I've never seen it. I've never, you know, I, I hadn't even heard of it before I started researching the topic. But but there it is, and uh, you know, that, that's one. There's there's apparently a Bollywood movie that uh, deals with with wrestling, at least on the amateur level, that we we need to get to. Uh, let's see. So so hopefully we'll uh, let's see, we'll get some we'll get some good content in here in just a moment. And uh yeah, it's it's been quite a it's been quite a day here. I'll tell you about that. We also uh if time permitting we might talk a little bit about what's coming up at WrestleMania because uh you know, WrestleMania seems to have uh seems to have gone off the rails at least in the past uh seven days. Uh where we have uh where we had a show in Detroit last night and uh Ronda Rousey and Brock Lesnar were advertised and uh no 
No, they 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 did not show up, uh, and it looks like Ronda Rousey is not going to show up for the other WrestleManias between I mean the other Raws between now and WrestleMania, even though that's what was promised to us. So uh, yeah, it's kind of uh, kind of hard to understand. I'll say. Let's see. So uh, okay, we've got that going here. Oh jeez. Yeah, the '96 uh, Halloween Havoc. Oh my God! It was uh, Hulk Hogan and uh, Randy Savage that we were talking about on, on real audio. And uh, let's see. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean they, they they were testing real audio here. Um, let's see. Should I should I go ahead and try this? I'm going to go to the 206 area code, even though I, I might end up uh, regretting it here. Uh, let's see. 206. Uh, please state your name and town. You're on making the list. Hello. Oh you. Oh, you regret it all right, Brad. It's Jim Valley. Yes, it is Jim Valley. Yay, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Jim Valley's back uh, after saving saving democracy over the past few weeks in the state of Washington, which we all appreciate it. So uh, the guest didn't show up, Jim. And the topic today is we're making our list of the seven greatest professional wrestling movies of all time. And for some reason, I thought you'd be an appropriate person to talk to about this. Okay, so since I'm coming in late to this, is it is it movies where the topic is re- where the subject is wrestling or just movies with wrestlers? Does it have to be, it has to be uh, about wrestling? Um, that's you know on the the lists online are kind of flexible with it. I, I think it has to be movie length. Uh, documentaries can be included. I okay. you know I, I guess I, I I feel uncomfortable with Rocky Three being on the list since it's not really a wrestling movie. So. Yeah, I think okay. wrestling has to be has to be. I, I think it has to be you know a wrestling movie. Uh, okay. The one and only with Henry Winkler considered a wrestling movie, even though you know and parts awesome. of it aren't about. Yes. Oh my God, it's it's a awesome movie. Better if you've never seen it. It's a whole, it's tremendous. Yes. Yes, the 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 uh, pro wrestling segments in in there just uh, fantastic. It's it's the fun as Piper a pro wrestler. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Roddy Piper takes a, is a is in a brief scene before he gets hit in the face with a uh, German helmet. Hmm. Uh, it's yeah, it's uh, it's New York City in the 1950s. Support us on Patreon starting at four dollars and ninety nine cents. Get these shows ad free and bonus VIP content. That's four dollars and ninety nine cents on Patreon. Patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. That's patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That is the quickest, cheapest, and easiest way to support us and enjoy these shows with a streamlined listening experience. The Wade Keller Post Shows, Podcasts, and the PW Torch Daily Casts, plus some random VIP bonus content. But, but let's, 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 let's do this. Let me, let me you, you know, now you've, you've, uh, you've keyed my mind in on the, the one and only. So, I mean, it's, it's like, what, 1977, 78? So, Came Henry Winkler, yeah, is like near the peak of his popularity for being Fonzie on Happy Days, and he's trying to get into to major motion pictures, and as, as we all know, that didn't really work out. But, you know, this was, from my understanding, was supposed to be about a licensed movie about um, Gorgeous George, and they yeah. never were able to uh, secure... Uh, the approval from the state is my understanding, and so it's it's similar. You know, he becomes a gorgeous George-like character at the end, um, but it's a, it's a fun movie. I I enjoyed it a lot. So if you've never seen the one and only 
I would I would encourage people to to see it. I think I think it's great. And like you know, they filmed it obviously in in Hollywood in California. So Piper, who was in Hollywood wrestling in Los Angeles at the time, uh, makes a brief appearance uh, as this Henry Winkler character tries to find himself. He goes through a lot of different personas, and one of them is a Nazi. And Roddy Piper is this young rookie and gets hit in the head with a uh, Nazi war helmet because the because uh, he's playing a German. Yeah, that's yeah, and uh, that's not the only character that the Fonz gets to play. But yeah, uh, right. and, and another movie and another movie, Hard Boiled Haggerty was in. Yes, oh geez, Hard Boiled Haggerty was in so many Everything. movies, and even if you don't know the name Hard Boiled Haggerty, you know the face, the bald head. And the uh, the curled up mustache. Uh, Howard Hardboiled Haggerty is uh, maybe a, a a legend who doesn't get enough credit. Okay, now uh, we already had a uh, right had one vote for Grunt the wrestling movie. Um, the uh, Grunt, of course, uh, is the story of uh, the Mad Dog Joe DeCurso, who uh, let's see, who who accidentally decapitates an opponent in the ring. And uh, allegedly comes back. It's, it's it's as a documentary. Allegedly comes back as a masked wrestler. And it's. I feel like I've seen that one, but I don't remember. It's pretty not good. Um, it's it's yeah. It's it's really bad. Uh, yeah. The, the, anyway, he is the mask, and he takes on such legends as uh, Dan Spivey playing American Starship Eagle, uh, Exotic oh, Alien Street. Yeah. John Tolos okay, is there. Okay. Uh, Dick Murdoch is just like yeah. Yeah, this was yeah. awful. Oh, is Wally George in this? I think uh, yeah, I think he might be in that. Yeah, Wally George was a uh, a popular confrontational talk show host, and he sort of preceded in the LA area. Yeah. Morton Downey Jr. Yeah, and all of those kind of fake TV shows that we see today. He was kind of the the forefather of all of those. Yeah, I don't know that I ever watched. Grunt. I think I recognize that it was terrible. I mean, if you're talking about movies based on wrestling, maybe uh-huh. with the exception of the the documentaries, a lot of these are just just awful, just terrible. Yes, which is why it's so much fun to talk about them. Yes. All right, uh, but we mentioned the wrestler, the the 2008 version, not the Ed Asner version from 1974. Uh, you know, I think if you're putting together a list, I think that that probably, in my opinion, is the sandwich on the list. Uh, yeah. If you're talking about dramatic movies, I think you number one probably is The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke, and maybe the one that starts the bottom is The Wrestler with Ed Asner. I think that's kind of okay. just the uh, the list sandwich, in my opinion. Okay, uh, yeah, The Wrestler with Ed Asner, it's basically... It's basically a bunch of uh, it's a bunch of pro wrestling cameos uh, sort of stitched together into a plot. Is one way to describe it. I, I know that I know that Wade Keller and Bruce Mitchell did their own watch along of this movie some years ago, and uh, yeah, it uh, it's basically uh, you know it's basically Vern Gagne. It's basically uh, a, a tribute to Vern Gagne as, as a movie because uh, you know the Ed Asner character is playing sort of a Vern Gagne promoter, and I think there's Vern Gagne playing the uh, you know playing the uh, wrestler star of the movie. Yeah, it's very much a love letter to Vern himself. It's Vern's love letter to himself. It's very um, it's 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 Vern just kind of 
pleasing himself, shall we say. Yeah, okay. That's a that's a good way to describe it. All right. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you know, if you go to the documentaries, you have you know, Beyond the Mat, you have Wrestling with Shadows, you have uh, the Ric Flair 30 for 30. Um, you, does that I mean, count? Uh, does, that, does the 30 for 30 count? Or- I it's it's I think it's long enough to be a it's, it's a feature length mm. uh, film, isn't it? I don't know that it counts because I think you have to have some sort of theatrical release. I don't know. In my mind, that one doesn't count. So so direct to video doesn't count. Well, did it go direct to video? I don't know. No, I you know what? Um, me went went directly to ESPN. Right, but that was because it was an ESPN show. I don't know. I don't think that counts in my opinion. But it's your okay. show. All right, well, yeah. uh, it, okay, well, we'll mention it. Oh, and, my and God. For the same reason. What's that? Go ahead. Go ahead. I've got something. I'm just freaking out here. That's all. Never mind me. Okay, and, and for the same reason, Jim, I, I'm kind of against uh, doing, uh, let's see, you know, the, the Andy Kaufman, I'm from Hollywood, which I think is, you know, I don't think it had a theatrical release, and it, I think it was basically an hour TV special. And, again, um... didn't have... Didn't have much of a plot, you know. But it, it's a great it's a great way to show how everything played out. Yeah, I, you know, at first I was my initial reaction was no, that one counts. But now that now that I think about it more, yeah, I'll tend to agree with you. I tend to agree with you on that. Okay. Uh, let me see. Now, of course, you have uh, we we looked at a lot of we talked briefly about uh, Nacho Libre. Um, it's, I mean, that actually did have a plot. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a genius plot. And and, and I mean, if you could buy, uh, if you can buy Jack Black as a seminarian, I suppose, you know, well, I suppose it's no worse than what we see on uh, on television three times a week. But I'm I don't, yeah, you know, you're not. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I'll, and I find the movie to be very slow, and I find the movie to be not particularly funny. It's neither sweet nor funny. It's just, it's just kind of there and. Considering it's based on you know a real life story, um, I, I feel like you could do something more with it. I just I don't know. I wasn't a fan. I was really disappointed in uh, in Nacho Libre. I just I'm not a not a, not a big fan. I it's it's kind of boring. I find I kind of be very very vanilla. And you know I I like lucha wrestling and I like uh, lucha masks. And every time my wife go to Mexico, we yes, always you do. try to look at the shops and stuff and. People always bring up Nacho Libre, and I just gotta roll my eyes. But I get that that's sort of what when when people on vacation think of Lucha Libre in Mexico, Nacho Libre is what comes to mind. And I just wasn't a fan. I'd love to really like the movie. I had high hopes, but again, not a fan. Okay, but uh, I, I'm going to say this: definitely not the worst wrestling movie of all time. No, no, it's not. But I, I think it could have been uh, uh, could have been uh, could have been better. Um, as okay. I'm looking here at Wikipedia, I got to talk about one of my favorites from sure. when I was a kid, you know, when, when cable TV was, was, uh, you know, in its heyday. Uh, and I, I saw this movie, I don't know how many times, all the marbles with Peter, Falk, ah. which is an amazing movie. And in all honesty, this movie literally captures, and I think probably unintentionally, the boring lives of territorial wrestlers. You have Peter Falk as a manager of these two beautiful women, and he markets them as a tag team, and the movie follows their their rise in wrestling as they work their way up to uh, fight for the, the big championship title tag team match. 
And, you know, it shows the women in cars driving. It shows the women waiting around a lot. It sort of shows that isolated lifestyle that, that wrestlers lead probably even today. Uh, but it's a, I think it's a great movie. All the Marvels definitely is on my list. Okay. And uh, a lot of... Uh... Uh, Mildred Burke was uh, the the trainer of the uh, of the lady wrestlers and features uh, also featured prominently in the movie, playing himself uh, pro football legend Mean Joe Green. So. Yeah, he, he was in a lot of movies. Yep. Well, there we go. But yeah, it, it didn't. Uh, it wasn't exactly box office gold. It, it's remembered fondly, though. Uh, suppose, yeah, according definitely. to Wikipedia, it did better overseas than it did in America. It's a it's a fun movie. If you've never seen that, I would I would highly recommend watching all the marbles. Um, just it does it sort of it. There are times when the script teach, treats wrestling as as a work, and there are times when it's 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 kind of light as a work. They treat it mostly as a shoot pro wrestling, but you know it's never insulting to the audience if you if you like wrestling. But I I really liked all the marbles. I thought it was a really I thought it was a fun movie. Okay, well, on that note, uh, we are due for a uh, brief timeout. We will come back. We have uh, a lot more to talk about uh, as we give you the very best of professional wrestling on cinema. Uh, This is Making the List right here on PW Torch Livecast. Wrestling fans, if you're looking for a unique and entertaining way to uh, get the best shave known to man. All right, we're back. We're making a list here on PW Torch Livecast. I'm Pat McNeil. Uh, Jim Valley is back. Uh, Jim has very graciously offered to fill in at the last minute, actually beyond the last minute, uh, as we go over our top seven pro wrestling movies of uh, all time, trying to combine Oscar season and WrestleMania season into one, Jim. And uh, not surprisingly, only one of these movies has ever come uh, close to being uh, an Oscar movie, and that was The, the Wrestler. Yeah, well, I, I thought you were going to say Body Slam. Yeah, you know, that movie is terrible as well. That was a sort of a cult classic, and, you know, when rest, I mean, that was really sort of the, in 1985, with, you know, the first WrestleMania, and wrestling as a as a fad was really at its peak, and so it only made sense to, to do a movie. Um, I, I guess the only thing that's interesting about that movie um, is that I, the barbarian actually speaks in the movie, and he'd been sort of a silent, you know, uh, savage-style wrestler uh, before then, and, you know, he actually talks, so it, you know, breaks kayfabe a little bit, I guess. Yeah, that's true, the barbarian, and, uh, is it? Uh, the Tonga Kid, um, Roddy Piper. Oh, Tijo Khan was the, other, was the other member of the Cannibals, that's, that's right. That's right, yes, it was the Cannibal Brothers, is that what it was? Yeah, the, the yeah the Cannibal Brothers and uh, where who are of course uh, managed by uh, Captain Lou Morano. Yeah, they, yeah, they really went to a lot of effort to change some of the names. But Roddy Piper and Tonga Kid, I believe, are a tag team. Tonga Tom and Rick something or other, I forget. Tonga Tom and Quick Rick Roberts. That's right. There it is. Yes. It's, it's it if if you want to be a completionist and watch it, it's not good, but you know, it's something to see as far as, you know, Hollywood trying to capitalize on the, the wrestling fad of the 1980s when it was really at its peak. And, and of course, uh, playing the love interest, it was Tanya Roberts as Candace Vanderwegen. 
Oh, God. Tanya Roberts um, was the B-movie queen of the 80s. She was one of the last Charlie's Angels. I think she might have been the last one when the show was was really on uh, life support, and she came in as the last one, and she made so many direct-to-video, direct-to- you know, B, B, C, D level movies. Um, I had a friend who was breaking into Hollywood and um, he was worked the name a Johnny lot of Fairplay? movies. Uh, no, no, he was actually successful. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, oh, there but, we go. Different, different friend. Yes, I had to get that but, in. Uh, also, also uh, yeah, that film directed by Hal Needham. And you know Hal Needham is a quality director because he directed Cannonball Run 1 and Cannonball Run 2. <laughs> what book did you want? Also featured in the film, uh, Ric Flair, Classy Freddie, Freddie Blassie, Adnan Al Casey, Bruno San Martino, Charles Nelson Riley, Billy Barty, and John Aston, aka Gomez Adams. Yeah, you know that there's uh, there's uh, nothing says B movie like Charles Nelson Riley or Rick Taylor. That's oh yeah, oh god, that's hey. true. In 2012, NXT transitioned into the developmental system and ultimately the brand you see today. On the Torch VIP podcast, NXT Eight Years Back, we'll be taking a weekly look at this page in NXT's early history. Join Kelly Wells and me, Tom Stout, from PWT Talks NXT every Saturday as we go eight years back to the day to track NXT's rising talents and why they did or didn't work out exclusively for PW Torch VIP members. Um, no. yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I do want to mention here. There's. Oh, well, yeah. go ahead. I did want to mention another uh, uh, well-known movie from the 1980s, uh, which involved pro wrestling, which uh, we we have not covered on our uh, on our VIP show uh, way back playback. Uh, this, this film is called No Holds Barred, and uh, it is uh, Hulk Hulk Hogan as uh, yeah. I want to say uh, I, I want to say the guy's name was Rip Roarer the. Uh, Rip. The WWF yep. champion taking on uh, the evil Zeus, and it was really bad. You know, I was too. I didn't understand that it was uh, all about Ted Turner and fighting Ted Turner at the time. That was lost on me when it uh, yes. when it came out in theaters. Mm. Yeah, that I, I guess that's uh, yeah. Yeah, that that that's true. It was probably lost on a a, a lot of people. Um, it was. Uh, you know the decision to take Hulk Hogan and make an R-rated movie with him, which was just an awful movie. On top of that, oh PG-13, excuse me. Yeah, PG-13. PG-13 according yeah. to this, is PG-13. It just it was just bad though. It was it was you know I don't I don't know that the I don't know the little Hulkamaniacs got a lot out of it. Um, well, I also I think that um, you know Vince really sort of took a hand and was very. Uh, influential in uh, in the movie and probably steered it in those terrible directions. That's true because uh, yeah, one of the rumors from WWE Studios is that he was very involved in uh, in rewriting the script of the movie The Condemned, starring Steve Austin. And if he if he has the habit of doing that with WWE films, that probably explains a lot, I suppose. Uh, but uh, also in that movie, uh, Jeep Swenson, Joe LaDuke. Oh, jeez. Uh, Pete Doherty, of course. You can't have a movie without Pete Doherty. Uh, so I, want to see, I want to see Stan Hansen's in there. Stan somewhere. Hansen. Stan Hansen, of course, yeah. stole the movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, Joey Morella. Yeah. 
Jesse Ventura, Gene Okerlund, uh, Bill Eady, I think, is in there. But plays, Stan uh, Hansen yep. stole the movie in the beginning and talking about the the teeny weeny. That's right. Well, that that's just what Stan Hansen does. Clay, classic, uh, classic strength, Stan Hansen. Okay, so five one five six zero five nine three four five. If you're if you're listening and you want to chime in on this, uh, I don't think either of those two movies uh, make the list, though. I I think you know No Holds Barred probably one of the more famous wrestling movies, but but again terrible. Uh, there's a yeah. great movie actually. As I look at this Wikipedia list, I don't know that I consider it a wrestling movie. It's actually a boxing movie, a Requiem no. for a Heavyweight. Okay, well uh, apparently is there a is a re- classic movie. Yeah, there, there's a wrestling connection in there. Uh, yes. Let's see. I mean, I wrote it down because it was on the Wikipedia list. But uh, yeah, um, let's see. so so it's about a uh, it's about a boxer who uh, ends down on his luck boxer who ends up becoming a wrestler, right? Yes. Yeah, it's really sad at the end. Yes, and it's played by Jack Palance. Yeah, it's really it's really sad. Um, you know, and it really sort of gives you the idea of the way that wrestling. Oh, that was the was TV version. Excuse me. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the 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 movie, um, the way you know, in, in the end, he gives up and becomes a wrestler. And for some reason, everyone knows him as a as a famous wrestler. But um, for some reason, rather his wrestling persona at the end, he embraces being an Indian character. And he's got the the uh, the headdress and I believe a tomahawk and everything and in the end of the movie it's him uh, doing you know the Indian war cry you know the woo 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 kind of thing uh, you right. know very stereotypical for the era but um, you know it's sort of him sort of embracing his uh, his fall from grace and uh, wow. yeah it's it's a sad movie but again I I see it more as a boxing movie than a than a wrestling movie but again it's a classic movie it's it's definitely one to see even if you're if you're a film fan, let alone a wrestling fan. Yeah, and in the end, it's Anthony Quinn entering the ring to take on uh, Haystacks Calhoun. Yeah, and again, Anthony Quinn, he's, for some reason, again, everyone knows him as a boxer, but he's dressed as an Indian character, which doesn't make sense to me, but okay, well. No, it, no, it makes perfect sense, you know? I mean, it's, mm. uh, I mean, maybe Vince McMahon was a promoter. You never know. Who knows? That's true. All right, five one five six zero five nine three four five. One the the one movie with a wrestling tie-in, a heavy one, uh, Man on the Moon, the uh, Andy Kaufman story starring Jim Carrey. Uh, a lot, you know. The, there there are a couple segments with Andy Kaufman's feud with Jerry Lawler, which, um, for documentary purposes, probably probably halfway accurate, I'd say. Yeah, I mean it's a movie, so I mean they're always going to take liberties. Whenever it's a scripted movie. Even if it's a historical character, you really have to always take it with a grain of salt. Right. Okay. And uh, let's. Yeah, that was. Did, that did was you ever see, did, did you ever see My Breakfast with Blassie? The Andy no, I didn't. movie with Freddie Blassie? It's, um, it's, it's, it's long and awkward. Okay. If you. If you're really into, and I loved Andy Kaufman, I I loved all well, of Andy much like, stuff. It's much like my live cast then. Okay. Uh, oh yeah, it just maybe worse. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, it's it's literally Freddie Blassie and um, and uh, Andy Kaufman sitting down and talking at this table, 
uh, while they're eating, and it's a takeoff right. of a famous movie at the time, which uh, an Oscar winner, as a matter of fact, very critically acclaimed, called My Dinner with Andre, and ah. uh, not 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 Andre the Giant, but anyway, no. um, this is uh, this is uh, anyway, they just talk a lot, and Blassie's in character the whole time, and. Um, I don't know. I mean, you could watch it if you're a Blassie fan. And even though I'm a Kaufman fan, I, di- I didn't think it was was particularly good. It's not. It's not. It's not my favorite. Okay. Well. Yeah, that's. Um, yeah, that's that's fair. All right. Uh, tell you what, we're we're due for a timeout here. We're going to come back, and uh, we're going to stat. We I think we got number one and number seven, and we're just going to fill in uh, all the blanks between two and six. And we'll we'll talk some more, and we'll take your calls at 515-605-9345, if that's your thing. Uh, this is Making the List here on PW Torch Livecast, so uh, don't touch that dial, kids. And we're back with more of Making the List right here on PW Torch Livecast, the number 515-605-9345. I am Torch columnist Pat McNeil, joined by... Torch audio host and uh, legendary uh, pro wrestling personality, uh, Jim Valley, who does a number of podcasts, uh, including even ones not affiliated with the Torch. Uh, but we uh, we do have the Wayback Playback show. If you're a PW Torch VIP member, and you absolutely should be, uh, this one drops every Sunday, and uh, hopefully we're going to have uh, Jim back with us for at least a few more weeks while, uh, while, while the, you know, the business of saving the world calms down a bit. Uh, speaking of podcasts, one of them I do is for the uh, Cauliflower Alley Club, which That's is right. uh, which is a, a nonprofit that helps out uh, older and down on your luck uh, pro wrestlers, and it goes back, you know, over fifty years to the days of uh, Hollywood and Mike Mazurki and uh, Luthez and uh, Red Bastine, and it used to be a club with boxers and wrestlers and actors, and it's kind of morphed over the years where now uh, fans can be involved. And uh, you can join to become a member. It's only 25 bucks a year. And they do their annual reunion, which is coming up at the end of April, the beginning of May in Las Vegas. And this year they're honoring uh, Harlem Heat. Uh, they're honoring uh, Steve Kern. And uh, get this, they're honoring Gre- uh, Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels oh. is going to be there. Uh, tickets are going fast. And uh, you can go to uh, cauliflowerallyclub.org to check it out. And I, so I do a podcast with them. And uh, my partner, MK, and I are going to be uh, interviewing uh, Steve Kern tonight. We're going to talk hey. about uh, the fabulous ones, obviously. And he's trained, like, about a million wrestlers. And, uh, you know, he had, he had quite the career, you know, from starting out with Eddie Graham in Florida, where it's very serious wrestling, to, to Memphis, obviously, and then the fabulous ones. And he was Doink, of course, at WrestleMania 9. He was Skinner. Uh, so he's had, yeah. uh, he's had, you know, and he's had quite a career. So this should be... This should be good, so uh, you can check it out at uh, caulifloweralleyclub.org. Uh, Jim, you're not going to believe who's standing by on the line. Uh, well, actually, uh, I'll, I'll let him introduce himself. Uh, go ahead, uh, mystery caller from the 203 area code. Hello. Who are you, sir? Hey, it is uh, late, but better late than never, uh, PJ Polacco, just incredible. Just so you know, there is yes. perfectly good excuse. I was late getting out of my doctor's office, and wow. I had no choice. And it's not like uh, it's an important appointment. I couldn't be like, i got to you know, do this thing. So, anyways, right. I'm here, and I'm so sorry, guys. I apologize. Okay. Well, uh, Jim Valley is here. You know, you know Jim. Jim, say hi to Justin Credible. Uh, hey, man, I'm glad uh, you could make it. 
Yes. Uh, now, we, one of the reasons we're here, well, well we, we, I mean, we're doing, we're doing the top seven pro wrestling movies of all time, but uh, we wanted to get uh, an update from you on the documentary of, uh, of uh, your career and your comeback. Yeah, uh, the uh, documentary is called Credible. Uh, it's not about uh, the, you know, it plays off of the character just incredible, but it means of credibility. Um, it's a, you know, it's a story of my life and journey, uh, not only in pro wrestling but in life. It's about, re- you know, literally, it's credible recovery, redemption, um, and uh, that's really what it's about. And uh, you know, I've been going through uh, struggles with addiction on and off for the better part of uh, 15 years now, um, a lot of sober time and a lot of not so sober time. So, uh, you know, we're still in production so um it's not like we have this uh narrative where we have an ending because you know hopefully my life isn't ending anytime soon but yeah, you know just really fun. trying to find just trying to find um what that redemption is what, what that means for me and uh it's a it's a really interesting uh movie it's very well done uh david gear who executive produced many many movies has produced many movies um is working on something now with martin scorsese i mean he's done a lot of films uh with kevin nash diamond dallas page uh vincent pastori tom sizemore i mean you name it this guy's been around so i'm very excited and um Really, it's uh, it's going to be cool, and I'm just looking forward uh, to completing it and uh, really having the world uh, look at it. And uh, it's 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 compelling. It's almost uh, somebody told me it's really the uh, uh, the real life tale of the movie The Wrestler, which was a fictional tale, but it really uh, yeah. has a lot of feel to it because you know, although I had many breaks in wrestling, I never made millions of dollars. Uh, you know, uh, I had the privilege of calling it my career but um you know it's just an interesting tale of of what happens to somebody um at 44 years old um really semi-retired and uh kind of trying to get sober and to find you know life after wrestling um and what is life after wrestling is there life after wrestling so uh that's it in a nutshell <laughs> okay well, well, the answer, of course, has got to help. So, uh, but uh, I mean, the, the question I, I would have to ask is, you know, as the subject of of this documentary, I mean, is is it how weird is it getting your you know your life you know picked apart for uh, you know for 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 a documentary? I mean, it's, I mean, there's I mean, there's a lot of good to talk about, but like you mentioned, there's there's some uh, there's some uh, bad spots. Yeah, it's uh, it's really you know it's not cool sometimes to to look at yourself because a lot of the stuff I turned a blind eye to, and I still do. Um, you know, I don't like to look at the ugly because uh, you know us in recovery we tend to beat ourselves up a lot, and I'm gonna spare you guys the recovery talk. Um, but okay. we really do tend to to beat each other ourselves up because we are so sorry for what we have caused both mostly to mm-hmm. ourselves and to our family members and our loved ones. Um, but it, it doesn't stop the disease from, you know, doing it again and again. Sometimes that's why we continue to do it. I mean, it's like our, you know, our minds are our worst prisons. Um, you know, we just want to shut off the insanity that goes on in between your, your head. You know, you want that relief of, God, I, I screwed this one or I really could have, you know, what if, what if I'd done this differently? And, 
through all that regret sometimes you, you medicate more it's a vicious cycle but uh you know it's very yeah. hard to, to stomach and to watch myself because i never liked to watch myself uh, on camera any of my matches and stuff because always overly critical so it's, it's a bit uncomfortable to say the least one way that you can help us sustain our schedule of putting out podcasts throughout the week is by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Just go to Apple Podcasts and look for our Wade Keller Processing Podcast and Wade Keller Processing Post Show and give us a five-star rating. We hope you think we've earned that score with our fast turnaround times and our quantity and quality of wrestling analysis throughout the week. So take a moment out for us and do us a favor and give us a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts. That helps us on search returns and helps us grow. And if you want, you can add a few comments about what you like about the programs in the comments section. Thank you so much. Okay, uh, Jim, you have... You know, I, I just want to say, you know, um, briefly, you know, my dad uh, died at 48 from uh, from alcoholism. And, you know, back then, you know, he's a very successful lawyer, a pillar of the community. So, I mean, it can hit anyone. And unfortunately, back then, you know, what what Justin is dealing with and what many people were dealing with was, you know, considered a lack of character and a lack of trying sure. as opposed to sure. the, the disease it is. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that, you know, people have changed the mentality on that and, you know, that, that people understand that it is a disease and it's a, it's a daily thing that doesn't, you know, cure itself. And, you know, where, where my dad couldn't get help, you know, I'm glad that, that people like Justin and people, you know, all around the world are, are, are dealing with it in the, in the proper way. So I think that's great. Yeah, yeah, I mean, real yeah. quick, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but just real quick, it's not a battle of will. You can't will it away. That's where people misunderstand, you know. It's not like, you know, uh, these guys are just weak people. Um, it really, if you believe in the disease concept, it is a disease. It may be a mental health issue, but it is a disease. So, um, you know, one in 10 people will face or know someone in their lives with an addiction issue. So, yeah, anyways, so thank you very much for saying that. Well, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm Irish Catholic on both sides of my family. So in my case, it's probably uh, more than one in 10, but yeah, I definitely, uh, <laughs> definitely understand and yeah. And and uh, yeah, it it does happen to to people, you know. And it's not just uh, it's not just it's not as easy as as you think. It's not like uh, it's not like changing your diet. Although changing your diet is no fun either. Um, right. The, the, right, question right. The, the question with a project like that is, you know, it, it's I mean, it's it is kind of open ended. Um, so when, you, I mean, how how will you know when you know when, when you've got that. Uh, I mean, in life, you know, especially with with addiction, how do you know when you have that that happy ending that, that you're looking for? But I mean, you in never the movie, will have. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you're never going to have that happy ending. It's sort of we're looking for, and I think we've nailed it down. And I'm not going to give anything away, but I right. think we have a, a good idea of of how to end it and you know the finishing shot of course you know we you know, we have an idea of what it will be but when it's i reach a certain point it's like it almost will be like he's off to another you know off into his other journey whatever that may be and hopefully he'll be all right and, but it will leave that you know that question mark of well I, I mean i don't know <laughs> you know i mean i don't think any addict or alcoholic would dare make a bold statement saying that they know 
because we're taught to just worry about today. I mean, Brian James, uh, Road Dog, uh, him and I speak all the time. And, I mean, he grounds me sometimes and and, then says, you know, never take today for granted because we don't know tomorrow if, you know, Mm. If, I mean, it's so easy. I thought because I was an opiate addict at first and I conquered that addiction five years ago, I thought, you know, after being sober for a couple of years, I could have the casual drink. And I did for a long time. But that one turned into more yeah. than one, and it progressed over time. But then I became a full-blown alcoholic because of its accessibility and um, it culturally accepted and uh, so it's, you know, it's really, uh, it beca- it's about the behavior and really it becomes, for me, it became about not liking who I was. I just always wanted to change my state because my mind, I just was unhappy. Uh, my wrestling career was over, uh, you know, realistically speaking, because there's, you know, as an active wrestler, there was nowhere to work um, for whatever reasons for me, age, uh, my standing in the business at the time. And so on. So it's really a lot of it, like I said, mental health issue of depression and unhappiness. So, yeah, it's a bunch of things, but it's it's so easy to get caught up in uh, in having a drink or two and then liking it and finding out that you're here drinking more than you should with a lot of wives and, you know, like you said, lawyers, you know, respected people, pillars of the community. Uh, yeah. It affects, you know. So I don't want to drag this whole thing down on, well, on, it, on substance, but it's amazing because it does, it hits a lot of entertainers of all facets and uh, sports people a lot because we do face so much time on the road, so much time alone and so much, so many highs and so many lows. Um, those rock and roll videos where you'd see, you know, the guys on tour and always staring at the bottom of a bottle. I mean, because uh, a lot of it is the ups and downs and that's how people unfortunately deal with a lot of it so yeah right okay now getting back to why one of the reasons we invited you here in the first place um the top seven pro wrestling movies of all time i've I've, jim and i have uh have have gone over them and we include documentaries in them but i i am very curious as to your thoughts wow um best wrestling movies um I never really, you know, um, what was the one with Hulk and Zeus? Uh, that would be No Holds Barred, that one? No Holds Barred, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. that has to be one of the more publicized ones. Uh, Ready to Rumble was probably one of one of the better ones, uh, other than documentaries. Um, mm. As far as entertaining, because I thought it was so so bad that it was funny, um, and I saw a lot of my friends in it. Uh, but the best wrestling movie was probably Bret Hart's Wrestling with Shadows. I really enjoyed that. Was that was a good one. That was okay. That was my yeah. favorite, and then and then of course Beyond the Mat, um, which is probably my second favorite, only because I was in the uh, the DVD version uh, bonus features, and I do have a credit on that film, so that was my uh, film debut. So Beyond the Mat was uh, eye opening for a lot of people. Okay, so that's uh, that's a couple of uh, that's a couple of good ones, I think. Right there, I like to hurt people as well. That was an old school one. <laughs> Ah, the Sheik. Brother, that was a scary movie. I used to, you know what? It amazed me because as a kid, I would always see that at the back of the, you know, the video store, the wrestling section, and there was so few of them. 
and I was scared to death to just rent it, much less watch it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because yeah. I mean, the Sheik. I mean, even Sabu, being that he was trained by the Sheik and got a lot of his ways from the Sheik, uh, Sabu to this day, man, he's one of those guys that if you didn't know Terry, he works his gimmick. He believes the gimmick, and if it were not for the internet age, uh, he still would have one of the most believable gimmicks in pro wrestling, or at least of the time. I mean, you know, everything changes and evolves, but um, when he came out of an ECW and that board, you know, that stretcher tied to that stretcher with the Hannibal Lecter mask. I mean, yeah. you know, that was intense stuff. So that's another movie that always was, uh, you know, kind of cheesy the way they made it, but uh, well done. Yep. Um, yeah, it's okay, weird but... where it's scripted, but kind of a documentary. It's kind of bold. Yeah. It's kind of this weird scripted slash documentary hybrid. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely uh, it was interesting. I mean, you know, and it was and back then, like I said, it was uh, you didn't know what to believe in those days. You know, you knew it wasn't a hundred percent real, but it could be. You know, it was that danger to it as a kid, at least you thought. You know. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's that's it. There's, I mean, you got that going on. You've got uh, Heather Feather. Uh, Heather Feather. Oh, yes. I have uh, no idea got... what that is. That, uh, oh, that I was almost going to go somewhere I shouldn't. That sounds like it could a, be it's, it's one, of, one of these sub. It's one of these subplots. Uh, she uh, she's a female wrestler who wants to wrestle men. Oh, okay. Now is this now is this a complete uh, fictional thing? Um, I it's, it's <laughs> I unclear. So. I think would be a fair statement. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, that's, just just as they funny. interviewed one of the people from the Stop the Sheik Society, and uh, playing the member of the Stop the Sheik Society is the Sheik's wife. So yes, okay. Oh, so maybe maybe right not completely. Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe, not, maybe not, not on completely the up there. there. Perhaps yes. perhaps they might have uh, you know went off went off script a little bit. I don't know. A little, or bit, on a little bit. Hell, I don't even know if my life's real. So, <laughs> tell me when I that's get true. there. <laughs> okay. But yeah, that's uh, okay. That's that's uh, that's a quality film. Uh, we can probably put stick that on there. So we only need a couple more, really. Uh, I'm gonna so Google. The, I'm actually, you know what? In in the world of Google, man, that yep. should be like a Google thing. Like, you know. No, it is. It is. <laughs> I swear to God. Let so, me Google this here. While you're Googling, I have come up with, with my list. Pat. Okay. Okay. Um, here's, what, here's, here's my criteria. My criteria is not one of the best ones for me, but I was like, if I'm at home and it's, say, like a rainy Saturday or Sunday afternoon, what would I want to watch? Right. And that's what I'm basing oh. it on. Well, now that okay. I got the info in front of me, I actually got some interesting ones that I totally forgot. Um, okay. There is a movie that I did not know about, um, which now I'm going to have to see on principle, uh, called The Wrestler, the similar one to Mickey Rourke's, but um, in circa 1974. Yeah. Have you heard about yeah. that one? Yes. Yeah, okay. that's, I, I think that's, that's, that's on the list. Yeah. That's, yep. oh, that's the Vern movie, Asgard. okay. Yeah, Vern, okay. you got Billy and, uh, Robinson, you got not, uh, you got Dusty, yeah, I mean everybody yeah. And how about a lot of those and they don't say these here, but uh a lot of those uh, old Mexican movies, those were some really ah, nice El Santo, movies. And, yeah. and, you know, okay. 
Mexican culture was so huge that uh, like a lot of their their wrestlers were big time movie stars, if I'm not mistaken, like El Santo and I mean many others. Mel Mascara, I'm sure, had made a couple of movies. Um, and the Damon. Of course, no Damon, it's always yeah, there. Right. Um, Blood Circus, which is the movie that my friend made, uh, that the gentleman's making my movie. That's a uh, MMA. No, but it says here it isn't. It was in '85. Well, it's a different movie altogether. I'm trying to find an, but they have other. I like to hurt people, of course. Of course, Mr. Nanny, yeah. the Resurrection of Jake. Okay, and I think we can pass it, on Mr. Nanny. Yeah, the Jake Roberts uh, documentary. That's a, okay. That's actually a good. That's actually a good choice, I'd say. Jim? Oh, and there's a, how about this one? Pro wrestlers versus zombies. Um. I never that heard is of a that movie that that was made. Yes. Oh wow! Where the hell was I? I have no idea. I don't, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess you weren't off filming it. <laughs> Nobody told me these things. Roddy Piper, Jim Duggan, Shane Douglas. Wow! I got heat. The fighting zombies. Yeah. 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 Well, I'd have fought a zombie. I'd have been a zombie. I'd have been anything. All right. I digress. Good. Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcasts? Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Rest Paradise at Peter Torch VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the US, Japan, Europe, or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the Paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series, celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger, and our I Was There When shows, where a guest will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the Pro Rest Paradise. Detailed PWF Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices. Or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise. Anyway. Okay. Uh, okay. So we had, uh, yeah, we also had all the marbles and body slam and uh, the one and only a bunch of classics and requiem for a heavyweight. Body slam. I never saw body slam. Oh dear. How, how is that possible? Was it? Jim, do you know how that's possible? Was it a bad? Was it that bad? I always saw the, uh, the I saw it always on video stores, like you know the, but I never uh, actually, you know, because I, I I came from a lower income, blue collar family, and you know you'd only be able to rent one, and so I usually go for a big budget, then uh, invest in uh, in a small time body. Yeah, it just wasn't doing it for me. It's very cheesy. It's 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 very it's it's, it's TV show quality. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I have to, okay. to give it a go. Yeah, I think I think you should. Okay, so let's see. Um, all right, so we got Requiem for a Heavyweight. Okay, The Wrestler, Wrestling with Shadows, Beyond the Mat, Requiem for a Heavyweight. I like to hurt people. The other movie, The Wrestler. Um, so, Jim, what do you think? The one and only, all the marbles. I, I'm thinking one of those. So, so, well, you know, there's my number one choice isn't on that list, and my number Which one is? choice... I uh, did have a limited release, but it was primarily video, but it was shown in theaters in the area. And for okay. me, my favorite wrestling movie is Memphis Heat. Memphis Heat, oh, that's right. 
which is a documentary about Memphis wrestling with uh, Sputnik with uh, with uh, Jackie Fargo and Lawler and Jerry Jarrett. Oh, wow. And, and uh, it's a fantastic movie. It really captures the flavor of Memphis, and it's really done in a style that is uh, the, the style, the way the movie was put together is, you know, really, like I said, captures the flavor and the style of Memphis wrestling. And so that is my number one choice for my favorite wrestling movie. And I think it could even be in the conversation for, for best Memphis. Wow. That's really, really okay. cool. I never, I never heard of that. I'm going to have to definitely watch that. And uh, it's funny. And I, I kind of, am seeing another one that I don't know if you guys brought up and it's kind of a, a parody on uh, my dinner with Andre. It's uh, my breakfast yeah. with Blassie with uh, Andy Kaufman. Have you right, guys seen we, that we, one? We we did yeah, touch on that. Um, yeah, oh, you already commented on it. Okay. I mean, it it just it wasn't uh, probably wasn't wasn't good enough to crack the list. I don't think. Really? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Andy Kaufman. I mean, God rest his soul was a little uh, a little weird. You either got him or you didn't. You know. Yeah, I got Andy Kaufman, and even I was like, it's it's Blassy kind of in character the whole time. So it's like, you know, an hour plus of. Andy asking questions and Blassie just kind of being Blassie. And that's kind of when you realize that Blassie is, is best in small doses. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. How about, there's this other one real quick and it's about backyard. There's a movie about backyard wrestling. Uh, oh yeah. Backyard actual, dog. Yeah. 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 And it, really that's an actual thing, huh? I mean, I know backyard wrestling, but yes, that was an actual uh, movie about that. Well, that must be yes, really the bad wild, movie. The wild and colorful world of backyard wrestling provides the backdrop for this action comedy. Oh, yeah. Wow. Cole and Lee are two close friends love professional wrestling. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> wow. yeah, that was fantastic. Donald's Aren't you glad I came on for this? See, I added I so know. much depth absolutely. and absolute, absolute nonsense to uh, to what you guys were probably having a pretty good uh, discussion, and then I just came in and kind of threw a, the <laughs> proverbial monkey well, wrench. absolute nonsense is, is sort of our specialty. Sir. Uh, that's what we, that's very what we do good. very well. But, yes. uh, yeah, yes. let's see. Um, trying to think. Oh, Below the Belt. I, I kinda, I've, I've heard about this one. I, I kind of have to see it. It's, uh, it's, a, uh, it's an MGM limited edition release from the 80s. Uh, I'll give you the uh, I'll give you the uh, blurb here. Rosa Rubinsky is a natural at fending off unwanted sexual advances while working at a sports arena concession stand. So when she's discovered by promoter Bobby Fox, Rosa soon finds herself competing in the turbulent world of women's professional wrestling. Yeah. Wow. Sounds like a winner. She fought to yeah, live and lived to like fight. Yes. That sounds, yeah. Yes. It sounds like something. Stuff, I'm not man. sure what exactly, but definitely sounds like something. Yeah, that's that's definitely something. Yeah. Oh my goodness, very good. Okay. You know the uh, Glow documentary from a couple of years ago. Oh, that's really right. Good. Yeah, yeah. With that's the uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. wrestling and Little Egypt put it together. The Glow wrestler to Little Egypt, and it talks about the history of Glow and has interviews, and then it sort of ends with a uh, reunion that they did a couple of years ago at the Cauliflower Alley reunion in, in Las Vegas. And you get to see a lot of the, a lot of the, the wrestlers. And even you get to see Mountain Fiji, who uh, passed away just, I think it was uh, last year, earlier this year. 
Oh, wow. I didn't know that. That's too bad. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. That's, it was definitely a niche little thing, you know? It was uh, It was definitely had its moment in that. You know, people still talk about it. I mean, I thought, uh, you know, yeah. Globe in particular was a little too cheesy, but uh, it certainly was uh, was interesting, you know? I mean, back then, they were hungry for anything wrestling, boy. I mean, if they had the uh, technology and the people in the business... Uh, then, you know, being able to feed them, God knows what was able to come out of uh, that era, you know, if they had that, but go figure. Okay, and of course, I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, this one, which apparently is available on DVD from the makers of Air Bud, Russell Madness. In this tail-wagging comedy adventure from the creators of Air Bud, a big-hearted terrier named Russell gets taken in by a family who owns a pro-wrestling arena. That's when they discover their new pet has incredible wrestling skills. With help of, from a savvy and hilarious monkey, Russell rockets to the top of the sports world and discovers that the strongest tag team is family. Wow. That's, uh, wow. You know, another one, uh, from if, if you don't mind this one real quick, that I'm just getting no. now, too. And I remember no. this as a kid. Uh, Grunt, the wrestling movie. Oh, yes. We discussed that length, yes. Oh, you did? Oh, okay. See, that's what I get for coming in late. Did you watch that one? Have you seen Grunt? No. But now you've compelled me to watch all these. You're going to have a fun weekend. Yeah, yeah, I really had, had no access to these other than, like I said, the video stores. And I was always, you know, I always went to either, either like, the, you know, always trying to get a copy of the new releases or something from Coliseum Video. Uh, you know, so I never went to those yeah. movies. I was uh, dedicated just, to Vince just, McMahon's just brand go on of YouTube. Uh, sports entertainment. Yeah, I know. I'm going to check them all out today. God, shows you a, a fun, uh, fun Tuesday for me. <laughs> it's all your okay. fault. Yes. All right. Well, geez. And, and uh, yeah, the resurrection of Jake the Snake. That's, uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean, you can you know, find a. a one, oh, go ahead. There's another yeah. good one from maybe, I don't know, the early 2000s on uh, Japanese wrestling with uh, Shigusa Nagaya, which is Gaia Girls, when they had the uh, the Gaia women's promotion in, in Japan. And it focuses a lot on the uh, the school and the training of the women. And how tough uh, Shigusa Nagaya was, Nagaya was on uh, some of the trainees and stuff. So it focuses on uh, kind of Shigusa Nagayo getting ready to, uh, you know, call it a career, and uh, some of the girls coming up. And that's a that's a pretty good movie. Nagaya Girls or something worth checking. Oh, okay. definitely will too. Wow. That's all right. Really so good. I think uh, I, I think we've got our seven here. Uh, let's see. Okay, number seven, The Wrestler from 1974. Number six, I Like to Hurt People. Number five, Memphis Sheet. Number four, Requiem for a Heavyweight. Number, number three, Beyond the Mat. Number two, Wrestling with Shadows. Number one, The Wrestler from 2008. Wow, we, we did it. Uh, yo, Adrian, we did it. Okay, so uh, so you're going to keep us posted as to when uh, Credible, the documentary, comes out. Right, Justin? I certainly will. Uh, hopefully we'll be done with production uh, within a couple of months, and uh, we have uh, something in line with major distributors like iTunes, Netflix, and the usual suspects. So, uh, yeah, I will definitely, it'll be, uh, I'll be getting the news out there, and I'm sure I'll be speaking with you, uh, Mr. McNeil, hopefully if all goes well. Oh, I, I think I'm sure it'll be uh, our almost... new number one movie. Yeah, That's true. Sure. You'll be, oh, I, I, 
I really hope uh, it will be uh, one of the good ones, but I'm not going to hype it. Um, hopefully yeah. it will be uh, a good movie, though. I have a good feeling. That's good. Yeah, you got to let you, you let the film speak for itself. I think that's uh, I think yep, that's a plan. That's, that's all you and can do, at, you know. And since people are listening, how can they keep tabs on the uh, progress of the uh, credible documentaries? Well, uh, there is a uh, my Twitter page at uh, PJ Polacco, and there's an official uh, uh, Twitter page for the movie the T H E Credible Doc D O C and uh, mm-hmm. Credible Documentary dot com, um, and a Facebook one as well, Credible Documentary on Facebook. So uh, all the mediums uh, you'll uh, you'll find updates and uh, behind the scenes stuff as well. Definitely. Okay. Just incredible, and of course we'll be hearing about uh, what. What do you have cooking? Do you have anything cooking for WrestleMania weekend? Or? I do not. No, I, I. You know, it's it's the funniest thing. I never get invited to any of the conventions uh, for WrestleMania weekend. It is a shame. Okay. Actually, I did one, and it was local in New York, so I didn't even get to travel. So no, well, that, nobody likes me. I've, I've prostituted myself oh. through enough wrestling conventions that they've had enough of me. All right. Well. <laughs> Yeah, they're back in New York next year, probably. So, I so there you go. That'll be my uh, that'll be my next one. <laughs> that'll be my next one. Right. So. Wow. Okay. All right. Th- thank you very much, PJ and uh, Jim Valley. Um, you uh, you do lots of podcasts. How can people keep tabs on you and uh, the Cauliflower and not only your VIP podcast with me, but the Cauliflower Alley podcast and the Pacific Rim podcast you do elsewhere? Yeah, uh, with uh, Fumi Saito, who's like the leading reporter in in Japan and really kind of has his finger on the pulse of uh, everything. He he talks to everybody in Japan. When Chris Jericho made his announcement, Fumi was the guy that he he talked to because they they know each other from when when, uh, Jericho was in Japan. But if you look up, you just do a search for uh, Pacific Rim Pro Wrestling Podcast. That'll come up. You can find it on uh, iTunes there. And, again, go to uh, caulifloweralleyclub.org, and you can find the uh, Cauliflower Alley radio there and learn all about uh, Cauliflower Alley, which is an awesome uh, nonprofit organization. Okay. That's that's great, Jim. And I want to thank you for stepping in at the last minute here to uh, to save another uh, podcast. And uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to uh, Making the List this week. Uh, of course, a uh, new episode coming up next week, and in two weeks, uh, Dave Prezak will be by, and I guess we'll be talking about women's wrestling, and uh, VIP members uh, can join us every Sunday uh, as we do Wayback Playback. Speaking of which, uh, this is the point of our program when we hear all about the wonderful offer of VIP membership here at PWTorch.com, so we're going to let our announcer guy do that, and we'll be back next week with another list, so join us. PW Torch is now on YouTube. Check out our relaunched, revamped, and reinvigorated YouTube channel after many years sitting dormant, collecting dust. And now it's back, shinier, brighter. It smells better. It's our PW Torch YouTube channel. And you can check out daily news updates, the weekly fireside chat with Tyler Sage and Zach Hadorn, and my Keller commentaries. The first Keller commentary was my rebooking of WrestleMania 38's lineup. I used all the same wrestlers, but none of the same matches. And I tried to make a better two-night event. Decide for yourself. Go check it out. YouTube.com slash PWTorch. And be sure to hit subscribe and like our videos.
We've got a PW Torch VIP sale going on this month. If you are interested in becoming a VIP member, you can get $6 off any subscription. That brings a one-month sub down to 4 bucks, And you can listen to our AEW Revolution post-event roundtable. Todd Martin, Rich Fan, and I discuss the event for about an hour right after the show ended exclusively for VIP members. You also will get the WrestleMania post-show roundtables following night one and night two at the beginning of next month as part of that deal. And you get everything in between. I have brought back the Ask the Editor version of the Wade Keller hotline. The last two Wednesdays, we've dropped that with me responding with long-form answers to a wide array of topics. And the Focus on AEW and Focus on WWE Insider News updates with my expanded analysis have also been brought back more frequently lately, including breakdowns of minute-by-minute numbers for Dynamite and SmackDown in two recent updates. And also behind-the-scenes news on Bray Wyatt and how he's being written and by whom, and other exclusive backstage notes and insights. We also are running our 18 Years Ago podcast series on the nearly 18th anniversary of podcasts when they were originally published back in 2005. We feature them on the PW Torch VIP podcast feed. This includes our post-pay-per-view roundtables and also Wade Keller hotlines with a ton of insider news. And right now, this week, we are running a series of podcasts detailing with incredible behind-the-scenes details, sometimes excruciating details, on what was going on with Edge, Lita, and Matt Hardy in that uh, kind of love triangle controversy of 2005 that uh, changed the course of, of several careers. At the time, I reported a ton of details on how the locker room was reacting to them, uh, how Vince McMahon, if he was involved, because Vince was actually away with his injury at that time, uh, if he was involved, and just uh, the, the ups and downs and the drama of everything that, that blew up behind the scenes there. It's also the beginning, 18 years ago, of John Cena and Batista's push, and there's a lot of fun analysis of what we thought of them at the beginning of their upward trajectory. I could go on. There's just so many great VIP exclusive features. You get these shows ad-free and plug-free, and you get access to our ad-free Lightning Fast VIP website with all the content that's on the free site, plus bonus content, including the roundtable reviews in written format from the Torch staff of AEW Revolution. We'll be doing that for WrestleMania coming up also, plus exclusive columns and more. So go VIP, pwtorch.com slash go VIP. The coupon code to get $6 off, and you can apply that $6 coupon to a one-month, a three-month, or a one-year sub, but again, that brings a one-month sub down to $4 for everything I just mentioned and more. The coupon code is MARCH23, MARCH23. Enter that when you sign up at pwtorch.com slash govip. And yes, we are compatible with the Apple Podcasts app. When you sign up, you'll get an email, and you click on that link, and it authorizes you. No advanced settings, no passwords, nothing complicated, and we are compatible with many other podcast apps in a similar way pwtorch.com slash go vip march 23 it's a good time to go vip